0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast, episode 115. Uh, and today, talking to a pretty interesting fellow. <laughs> He's a youngish chief petty officer, uh, and uh, he is uh, the dude that is basically responsible for the McPond Reddit AMA, which I thought was really interesting because on that response episode i speculated on how it happened i was just like ah this had to be a staff or like there's no way like he was barely like aware of what reddit was and even if he kind of knew what it was he didn't know how it worked or whatever and turns out <laughs> uh this dude uh chris he uh he engaged i mean he tells the story but he engaged someone and it turned into with the help of retired fleet master chief joanne ortloff like passing a note in class to the mick uh we got that reddit ama and he like promised to engage and it's it's pretty cool it's an it's a really cool story and uh um had it not been for him pressing it i don't think it would have happened at all and like obviously had it not you know joanne coming in clutch but like had it not been for chris like we would have never got that in general i don't think or at least it would have been a while until uh, like you know, a couple more ponds maybe before somebody who was already aware just decided to start engaging on this platform. So hey, real quick, if you can, and you're willing to support us, uh, in whatever way you can, we always really appreciate it with well, The best ways to do that go to Patreon.com/slash/DGustPodcast. Pick a tier that's right for you and support us if you can. We would really appreciate you. Lots of really cool benefits there. Go check them out. Also, don't give up the ship apparel. It's DGustApparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of cool shower shoes, little like uh, drawstring bags, all kinds of cool stuff. A bunch of really cool custom stickers, and then the challenge coins and D- and don't give up the ship podcast apparel is there as well. So please, if you can, and you're willing to support us, go to those two places uh, and find whatever way works best for you. It's dgutsapparel.com and patreon.com slash Thank you. Um, very cool origin story for that Reddit AMA that we get into. And then uh, Chris does a lot of really interesting things, writes a lot of, of articles that are that are awesome. And I mean, objectively awesome because they're winning essay contests uh, at USNI, which is not, you know, is no small feat. But on um, um, Proceedings Magazine. And then, uh, yeah, he's into a lot of other things. Surface Navy Association, uh, just a bunch of, of interesting involvement in things that uh, you may not even be aware of, but that can be really important and have the capacity to like do really cool things. So we get into all that, we get into leadership things, uh, his experience in his chief's messes, uh, why he thought it was good, why he thought it was bad, and anything in between. Um, Really great conversation, really great dude, and I hope you all enjoy it. Check it out. All right, man. So uh, like we just talked about, we'll do the bio first. So just give me as much information uh, on your background as you're comfortable with sharing, and then we'll go from there.
1: So I enlisted in 2010 at age 17 on waivers. Uh, been in IS my entire career, so intelligence specialist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: was originally an expeditionary guy, mm-hmm. so 2011 to 2013 I was with a CB regiment, I did a tour in Afghanistan. I kind of realized even back then that this expeditionary perspective on the Navy was not going to last because it's not what we do. Yeah. And as we've now seen, you know, 10 years later, we have this thing called Russia and China going on in the world. <laughs> so I, uh, I jumped on the grenade. I went, I requested back-to-back sea duty to go pick mm-hmm. up another, uh, specialty school that allowed me to serve on ships. So like the first six years of my career, I did three deployments. Um, After that, I went to my only shore duty, which was a combatant command in Omaha, Nebraska. So big command, joint, thousands of people, civilian, Mm. uh, mostly Air Force, some Army, Marines, and Navy. And after that, came to where I am now, which is a big fleet concentration hub and just been pumping out on ships, done an LPD cruiser and a DDG over the past three years and yeah. married another chief. So I'm doing back-to-back sea duty because she's going to shore duty because she's got the yeah. kid on the way. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be uh <laughs> sitting out about 10 years of sea duty. Stuck, in yeah, short career. Say, stuck on sea <laughs> duty forever. Jesus. Um That's the best place to be in the Navy in my opinion. I, Yeah. Really I
0: mean, it's like our manifest destiny, but still it's like, Jesus Christ, that's a long time to be on sea duty um i'm sure it helps well, my a- well yeah 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 it's different my it's a, different, a lot easier <laughs> yeah different uh different than like the norm of like chip and paint and all that like um all I right so do that
1: I, the reason yeah. i sound sick is like on my last duty day we had to move some lines out in the cold yeah. and rain after dark and i was not gonna let it. Right. Me- the junior guys be the only ones while I'm yeah. in the mess with the section leader. So I like it. That's why I'm a little stuffy right now. Yeah,
0: dude. It's like, I feel like everybody's sick. Like I've been sick twice recently. Like I had the flu, like a nasty flu from Christmas to new years. And then for like two weeks, I was still coughing crap up. And then just as I was starting to feel better, I was going to go back to the gym and everything. Uh, my wife had gotten sick a few days earlier and then I got that crap for a couple days. And I'm just like, like i just want to not feel like crap but it seems like everybody around me is sick too like it's ridiculous um yeah man so like i the so like let's do some just some background on like the 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 reason i was put in touch with you i was you were pointed out to me by someone on reddit um as somebody that like uh just like your posts and stuff were all really good and your interactions and everything but also um I, like I had talked about recently on the AMA response about like uh, kind of like vaguely speculating on like who was responsible for getting Honia on, on a Reddit AMA. Cause when you think, when you look at it without any information, otherwise it's like of all the people, like I would expect to see Russ Smith or somebody like that. I, like, and I don't know how old Honia is, but he looks a lot older than your typical Pond So I'm just <laughs> like, uh, like, dude, I, the last guy I expected to see on Reddit, um, so I was just like, this had to be a staff. It had to be, I'm like, he probably doesn't even really know what Reddit is. Turns out like, cause I'm glad that a whole bunch of people corrected me. And then like, turns out like it was you. So like, t- tell us, the- tell us how that all happened.
1: So uh, first I want to give more of the credit to a uh, retired fleet master chief, Joanne Ortloff. So, oh, yeah. um, she does her own podcast called continuing the conversation. She works Has with she- the search Navy association. Mm-hmm. So for those in the audience that, don't know, especially uh, with a more enlisted audience. They're these organizations that are adjacent to the military. They're not DoD chartered. They're five hundred one c nonprofits. A lot of them are officer heavy because the officers yeah. learn about them when they're in JROTC when they are in um, the naval academy. But they are open to the enlisted. Mm-hmm. So to give an example, so the Surface Navy Association, and this is extremely relevant to how I ended up talking about MCPON. That's why I want to kind of introduce the, this mm-hmm. concept. So you look at the enlisted side of the Navy. It's about 80% of the Navy's force and right. then 20% officer. But then this organization that you know, represents academia, represents uh, industry, represents retirees, and, and et cetera, is 96% officer of and yeah. 80% enlisted. They have a huge... Problem? in my not problem? But they are learning their communication <laughs> strategy. They are learning their imaging. They they want more enlisted because yeah. of the unique opportunities that these organizations provide. Hey,
0: I might know um, a guy that has a podcast that could get him some visibility with enlisted people. I'm just saying, <laughs> stop by anytime. That's like it. Reach out to joanne <laughs> well, but- So Paul Paul Kingsbury is going to come on soon, and he was blowing me up about Surface Navy Association and um the enlisted side of it, and I because I like I'd. I had heard about it once or twice, but I thought, I thought it was an officer organization. I didn't think it was open to enlisted and I don't really know what no. they do either because I'm a bubblehead. Like I'm in my own world over here. So like, yeah, I, I <laughs> so uh, I'm they, interested. So
1: I'm still learning what they do for the enlisted side. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you that for both enlisted and officer, they have both scholarships and grants for mm-hmm. active duty service members and their okay. family and their children. Um, they also have symposiums. So where I mean, yeah. Nick Palm was at their annual symposium in DC, okay. these kinds of events like the one in DC are actually, there's a nav admin that comes out every year to support okay. funding from the Navy to send people there. So mm. there's opportunities for All commands right. to get That's their sailors there. Um, the same issue that we're talking about with communication strategies, also right. same on the Naval Institute side of the house where. Paul used to work. So yeah. in a couple of weeks, I'm flying to San Diego for a conference that's kind of similar, but mm-hmm. it's the Naval Institute's na- uh, Naval conference called West. Okay. And same thing. You're going to have industry all over. They take over the entire San Diego convention center. That's a large convention that's, center.
0: Yeah. Wow. So
1: CNO usually shows up and mm-hmm. has a speech. Same thing with SecNav. So it's an opportunity. Damn. First of all, you are in the room to Q and A with them. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then the entire floor is covered with like BAE, defense contractors. Yeah. So from the enlisted perspective, go shake hands, get business yeah. cards. One yeah. of my favorite stories was the first time I went to the Surface Navy Association Symposium at DC a couple of years ago. I brought with me a buddy of mine who's mm-hmm. he's very gung-ho Navy. He actually joined the Navy because of me when we met in California. Okay, And he's an engine man. And he is... And then enigma who, at that point, had made every rank to second class twice. So you know he's good at his job. <laughs> but uh, he's just he, at that time he's good a at, good at he's some a other first, things too. He's a first class. Hey, now nah, he never made the I'm same just, mistake I, twice. And I know. Just uh,
0: that's funny.
1: But he's a uh, he's a first class now, and I'm so proud of him. Awesome. So I'm there with him. It's so a little IS one and mm-hmm. my E and two buddy we're walking around the floor in dc and they've got all these like different components and parts and stuff and stuff that they're trying to sell uh and contract and talking mm-hmm. about like hey this is a new version with its capabilities and stuff and my buddy like stops and he looks at a pump and he's like you know the thing messes up right like, what it's like look i'm going to tear this apart right here right now so he takes apart this <laughs> pump on the floor of the hotel yeah. and starts showing them how that how particular pump up. screws up every time on his specific class of ships so right now the sales reps that's amazing <laughs> It's like, you yeah, know, that's admiral a piece of just shit, right? <laughs> some admiral would have bought it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they're just looking at the brochure. They're looking at capabilities. They don't write the MIP series. They don't look at the maintenance car. They don't yeah. actually function the equipment.
0: Right, and so even if they did, they wouldn't know, you know, they wouldn't know what he knows. You know what I mean? By having done the maintenance and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a huge gap when you look at these organizations um, so I'm a part of three of them. So the Naval Institute, the Surface Navy Association, and there's also one specifically for Intel, the Naval Intelligence Professionals. And okay. I listened in on not a podcast per se, but like a, a speaking engagement just through some online, like a Zoom call essentially mm. with the two-star that runs all of Naval Intelligence for the entire Navy mm.
2: for
1: two hours. He's just in there open Q&A while he's like sitting in his in his office. And I think there was – so there's about 100 so, people on the so wait let's let's maybe,
0: rewind for a second so just to just to recap the admiral that's in charge of naval intelligence knows how to do and ask me anything but somebody else <laughs> doesn't have time to answer any questions is that what i just heard
1: I <laughs> that's, what like. that.
0: that's what it sounded I'll like we will get to
1: that <laughs> nah. okay go we'll, ahead. we'll talk on that <laughs> but it was um you know it's something that's only the invite only goes out of the people that there yeah organization, right right and It's an opportunity to to engage with these people that are, you know, eight layers separated from you via Echelon Mm -hmm. to ask them questions. Like, I asked them about there's a credential for intelligence, it's called a certified DOD all source analyst, SEDASA. And -hmm. the fact that we don't graduate with that during some of our pipeline schools is like the equivalent of the fact that Corman right now can't graduate a school certified as an EMT. It's like, come
0: on. What do you right, or yeah, like it also, but also like the whole idea behind some of the realignments and like, so like changing us to culinary specialists for mess management specialists was supposed to more closely align us with civilian blah, blah, blah. But then like when we go through our schools, it's like you could graduate them with a serve safe certification, which is like a really low level, but common and pretty useful uh, civilian like uh, used uh, sanitation certification. Like you'll see it on the wall when you walk into like a subway or something. And then, uh, like you could graduate them at the end of a school as like certified through the American culinary Federation as a culinarian. And it's like, again, like really low level things, but it, it's like a gateway to other things that would get help, get them a job when they get out of the Navy. And they just, they don't do that as often, nearly as often as they should, especially Corman, Like that's a one that is like so practical and it's like in the thing, like you're doing the same thing as the civilian world, probably at a higher and. Higher stress level and like at a higher difficulty level most of the time, outside of like trauma ERs and stuff. But it's like the they don't like I was my buddy, um, I went to the senior listed academy with him, uh, Byron Pack is his name. Great dude. But we were talking about that. I'm like, what are you gonna do when you retire? He was retiring as a senior chief IDC, and he's like, Yeah, I gotta go to school and get some certifications first. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> you have infinitely more experienced than most of the people you'd be applied but there's no they don't have certifications or licensure or anything so unless they do it in their free time you know
1: and a lot of that goes on netsy it's not on the individual like communities like they know these things exist and they know that Mm. it's a good idea but right uh one of the things i was told by one of my master chief mentors is like it's the there was a, a comment on one of the posts I put on Reddit recently where they talked about, like, the true power in the Navy's with that civilian contractor that retired 20 years ago and has been in the same office for 15 years. And,
2: like,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, CO's turnover and people yep. come in and yep. out. But they say bake. It's, stay like, baked it's like the, the
0: deep state. The Navy's got a deep state. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're not we, wrong, we, though. Yeah. No, you, you, you don't know who this person is. You don't know mm-hmm. how to email them. You don't know how to talk to them. Like they have so much institutional continuity and mm-hmm. they have an incredible amount of influence over the Navy. right. So I, I never – and this is something that will we'll come up when we talk about not just MCPOM, but like my perspectives on like senior naval leadership is they're so constantly in flux. How can we yeah, expect right. them to change everything? Right, It's not their fault. I think that wow. only –
0: I don't know about that, but like, <laughs> but you're right. They, I, the system uh, is set up in a way that makes it a lot more difficult than it should be for sure. I agree with that. The, the
1: only, the only one that's different is a uh, commander naval reactors because they're in position there. Like eight, eight it's like years. eight years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that makes, it makes a lot more sense. Oh, uh, well, if they're in the position eight years, eight, eight years, unless they want you to be CNO like Richardson and they're just like, actually the rules don't apply. Um, <laughs> but because they pulled him after like four, uh, but the, It would be nice if they were in for the, if they were in that position for a much longer period of time, like it would make a lot more sense to me. Um, But at the same time, like I feel like, um, I don't know, like it's, I do first to, to an extent, I feel like the fault, like they have to take ownership of, of the failures because a lot of them, it's like, and, and I know there's a lot behind the scenes we don't know, right? About, like, I was talking about that on that McPon episode. Like, the McPon's doing a ton of things, and we're just not aware of it, but...
1: And I agree with your analysis that yeah. it comes down to the communication strategy, which mm-hmm. is the same thing that I've been talking about with these organizations. And I I think I heard you right, but I like how you kind of framed that. Like, there's a difference between fault and accountability. Like, yeah. can, something could not be your fault, but you can assert ownership on it because you're a yeah. leader. And right. you'd be like, well no matter who screwed it up or what screwed up, it's I'm still mine. Sure doesn't yeah. happen or gets exactly.
0: corrected. And, exactly. And like the, 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 the what I mean by that, as far as like them taking ownership of it is like, there's, there's a cert at a certain point there, there are things that Mick pond can do. And I was talking to, it might've been you, uh, on Reddit. I forget. I was going back and forth with somebody about, um, like taking it out, taking it out for a spin and seeing what it can do. It's a line from, uh, I love this movie called, um, uh, the American president with Michael Douglas and Michael J Fox pretty old uh, Annette Benning um and Michael J Fox is portraying like it's I think he's he's like a political advisor or something but he was like based on a real person and he was just like um talking about the president's approval rating is like really high it's like let's take it out for a spin and see what it can do like to pass legislation same kind of thing it's like when you have achieved <clears throat> excuse me like a fleet master chief position you've got like what, like a 20% chance of being Mick best case scenario. So it's like, at what point do you just decide I'm probably at my terminal pay grade. So like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you're, and I'm not saying they're going to do anything that's going to get them on this cover of the Navy times, but like talk with your admiral, make sure you're not stepping on any toes and then start going hard, like start doing things that actually matter to sailors. And I think they could do a lot more than they probably are. Again, I don't know exactly what they're doing and it'd be really nice to get more transparency there through that communication strategy. But like, I just, I also feel like you could just be a lot more vocal in your, in your either support of, or criticism of, or whatever certain things. Cause like, I think that's the reason why what I do resonates with a lot of people is uh, like, I mean, now I'm retired, so, you know, I don't know how much this is applicable, but like, I was on active duty as a master chief, like openly criticizing certain things, like willing to admit the flaws in the mess. Hey, let's talk about it Um, and call those things out and say, we got to do better because these sailors deserve it. Like no one talks like that. And it's like, why, why don't they like, why not? Why can't we admit at the MCPON level that the chief's mess is broken? Cause it is. And it's like, it's not, I'm not saying there's not a lot of good that happens there. And there's not a, a tremendous capacity for good and, uh, like that, it doesn't have a tremendous value to the organization if we are doing it right, but we're not doing it right. <laughs> so it's like, what, why can't we openly talk about that? It's like it's like the eval system where you have to write a, a flowery eval no matter what. It's like you're either you're either good, really good, or amazing. It's not like you're you're behind and need a lot more work. So I can't write like this person is not ready for promotion. Like I have to write with continued development and training, they have the potential to develop into blah blah you blah. You can write that, but you have to. It's well, it it about the paperwork. It, it has of to be an SPE eval too. So it's like they have to be, they have to be in like NJP territory for that to happen. Instead of me just writing a, an honest assessment of their performance without destroying their career for the next five to ten years. And, so and that possibly
1: yeah. I want I want to drop anchor on that real quick because we'll that it. leads me onto like two little. Two little things that I wouldn't say I say, it's something that I was given mm-hmm. by my first senior chief in the Navy when I, I put, I got mad when I was a little third class in Kandahar, <laughs> Afghanistan, I mouthed off yeah. that chief yep. and my, uh, my senior chief pulled me aside and he's like, look, you are wrong in how you handle that, even though you were absolutely right in what you were trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, he's trying to right. get me to understand and this guy. He was definitely jaded on the Navy, understandably yeah. so, because he, you know, he was, he was at his terminal pay grade and he knew it, but yeah. he took such good care of me. Yeah. So, he told me two pieces of wisdom that I've always believed in. One, the Navy will promote you to your highest level of incompetence.
0: Doesn't mean that oh, yeah. you are Peter Principle, dude. Have you ever read but that book?
1: You are, I have not.
0: There's a book called The Peter Principle and you just said it. Like, it's like, um... <laughs> hierarchies will uh promote you to your higher or to your level of incompetence basically it's it's an amazing book i highly recommend it but go ahead sorry he must have read (laughs) it because you just said what's on the cover of the book that's funny
1: and then uh the other thing he told me and this is one that i even told my 06 nuclear reactor officer captain on my last ship Mm -hmm. and we were talking about retention one day on deployment i was like sir when you see somebody with a khaki belt and chief anchors or an Oak leaf. It's probably safe to assume they weren't the best for the job. You said to hope they were the best of what was left to promote because our yep. best people get out that E five, E six.
0: Predominantly. Answer. I, 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 when I, when people say things like that, I, I habitually push back only because I don't, I don't wholly believe that. I think you're right. Where like we lose a, a large amount of our, of the best people, but also there's a lot, like there's a lot of, like competence and capacity left on the table because we never take the time to develop them either right like the leadership development education thing that i go so hard on it's like because they're like because i would consider you probably one of those people like like i granted this is the first time we've ever talked but like so there's a chance that i'm wrong but probably (laughs) not (laughs) probably not but like You stuck around. Why did you stick around, right? Like you stuck around very likely because you're passionate about like a lot of the things that junior sailors wish they had had and that drove them to to get out. And you're like, nah, I'm gonna stick around and fix this. So there are people out there like that. And I think there's more than most junior sailors assess there to be. But when they get to that level of incompetence, you don't see that, you just see flailing. You see like this panic-induced uh groping in the dark for like how to be a leader and they, they just don't have the tools and i did it as an lpo like i regressed to my lowest level of training which was the terrible leadership i had before that just yelled and screamed at me which i swore i would never do and that's i stuck around to be the guy that was different but then i freaked out when i was confronted with the responsibility of an lpo role on a submarine because I was like, oh, God, like I didn't know there was all this like there's a bunch of stuff that <laughs> as the E4 that knew everything was like, I could do this job so much better. When I got in the position, I like had no idea that there was all this other stuff that I wasn't aware of. But also I as an E4 criticizing from the outside looking in, I didn't have all that pressure on me of that responsibility I felt to take care of those people. I was like, I can't fail. Like it, it was like dying to me. I was like, I cannot fail these people. So I had this like really high level of anxiety to the point that I freaked out. I like, just was like, I forgot everything and regressed to my lowest level of training until I figured out, Oh God, I'm doing exactly what I said I would never do. And they all hate me and aren't listening to me anyway. And I got to reevaluate my whole life. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, sorry, go ahead. I just, I feel oh like no, I, that that thing, that thing gets said a lot by junior sailors, like, Basically, the chiefs suck and, and officers suck. Basically, khakis suck because all the good people get out. And it's like, that's not even a little true. Like it's it's in in that not all of them get out like the, We definitely lose way too many really high functioning people because of leadership incompetence. But I think there's a whole bunch of really high functioning, competent people that come like incompetence combined with like what you were describing as like that senior chief, they just get beat down like, and the incompetence is part of that weight that they're carrying, but then they just get all the piss and vinegar beat out of them by circumstance and, and being like just being overwhelmed by all of the responsibilities and pressures and, you know, they're undermanned overworked, blah, 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 you know? And and then it like you, you I will get say for, for
1: context this mm-hmm. uh this senior chief had a, a more unique situation because this was okay. 2011 so he was already a senior chief
0: okay that's what
1: and i noticed mean, it was chief. only after dad uh, don't ask don't tell was repealed that we found out he was gay so he'd also right. grown up in the navy from the 90s right
0: okay fair dying. enough yeah so he right.
1: had he definitely had a lot more personal uh interaction with that
0: i'm interested yeah, had- we'll talk offline but uh, i'm interested to- either talk to you about him or talk to him literally if it's something he'd be willing to do because i came up in the first during my first submarine it was still don't ask don't no tell but like we had like two that i can remember off the top of my head like everybody knew they were gay i hung out with one of them all the time and it was like no one cared at all and it was they were open like it didn't everybody knew nobody cared the going away party was like penis straws and pink headbands and like (laughs) glitter and like you know what i mean like so i was just i wonder what type of culture he experienced coming up because like if i talk to my buddy who i'm thinking of or like the other guy which the other guy had a, a really negative experience for other reasons but it was based on like a he got like a false sexual assault uh accusation that turned into just a dumpster fire where where once he got into like the court martial thing it was like then the navy turned into that like they failed him on so many levels um but like my other buddy it was like i don't i don't know i'm sure he he may have experienced some like discrimination somewhere else in the navy but on that boat I don't think it happened at all. Or if it did, I was just blissfully unaware because I was junior. So like I w if he was interacting with khakis and, and had to deal with some, some stuff, I never knew about it, but yeah, it see, it seems to me, which again, I might've just had a, a, I had only my one perspective of it, but I am curious, like what that experience was like, just because what I saw was so wildly different than what I, I hear sometimes, I guess so but yeah anyway we can talk offline uh, about uh, maybe talking yeah, that'll be
1: interesting to talk offline about yeah so we've down a couple of rabbit holes now so we'll, we'll tie <laughs> it back to i see squirrels yeah i love I that
0: squirrels, I love... squirrels everywhere <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: i am i'm am all for that
0: so we'll oh, yeah. we'll get
1: into some of the the meat potatoes of so how the mick so... thing let's
0: let's go back yep. to the, like the, yeah okay sorry i just like so what are we talking about because
1: of um so for context and transparency i am on the board of directors for the surface Navy association. And no, mm-hmm. I don't get like any kickbacks or anything. It's a non-profit. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm it's the all only active duty. Yep. I'm the only active duty enlisted person on the board. There's a couple of other people there. So we've got a couple of retired fleet and uh, fleet master chiefs like Joanna Ortloff. Right. We've got a couple yeah. of retired master chief petty officers, of the coast guard. There's this great retired ABH one. He was medically retired and uh, mm-hmm. he's just an amazing person. Awesome. and then there's me so like a very limited um enlisted side so we'll um uh, go to the the conference this january so three weeks ago mm. to you know get my confirmation it's a paid for trip to dc you know kidnapped a junior officer from my ship because my ship was going through <laughs> loa and yeah. i was like hey Kamo, you want to go on an adventure and not be yeah. on ship for light off assessment it's <laughs> like so, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, it was great. And I, I love the fact that the CMC, the XO, the CO, like they were like, hey, you don't have a job in LOA. He doesn't have a job in LOA. We fully yeah. support this. Go yeah. forth. Have a great, great time.
0: Sound.
1: Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, like making good judgment calls on who you actually yeah. need for mission. So, I know from my previous experience at this kind of conference that there's going to be some kind of enlisted event. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I get there. Uh, there's the post on. Reddit, where it. it's like, force master chief this, fleet master chief that. We have six fleet force master chiefs on the panel, but then about mm. another three of them in the audience. So, for the your audience that don't know the math, that's about half of all the fleet force yeah. master chiefs. If you, any of those guys go to your command, that's an all hands call, and we have yeah. them in this had room. all of them. Like,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: we had half of them in the room with like sixty people. Mm. Most of the people in the room were chiefs. So, mm. command master chiefs uh, people that are SCA. So they brought a lot of people. I think there was five, uh, blue shirts in the entire thing. And it's like,
0: none of these, this is an echo chamber. Yeah. Like what are we doing? Exactly. So I posted on
1: Reddit. So I posted on Reddit and said, Hey, I'm at this conference. Here's the list of everyone that's here. Send me your questions and Mm -hmm. I will, I will relay it and I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, I showed Joanne Ortloff what I was doing, and that's why I want to give her credit because she passed okay. the Reddit link. She's the one that passed that the it.
0: note or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she passed like it on the fleet for Smash. Shout Chiefs. out to Joanne Ortloff. I love her, man. Yeah. I I've followed her social media presence for a hot minute. I do need to listen to her podcast, but she's she's great.
1: Yeah, she's awesome. So I passed her the Reddit link. She passed it to all those panelists. So that was the Tuesday night. Wednesday uh, mm. Mick Pond's event was Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday night. From what I've told I've I've heard told Gardner from listening to them talk, um they all met together and read through the entire post that I put taking questions. So next day Mick Pond had already been like briefed on it, he'd already read mm-hmm. through it. So at the end of his um panel, he uh, it was definitely a fed question. So they asked the master chief petty officer, of the coast guard, who he wanted to like, do you have any um, shout outs or any acknowledgements? He you know, talked about his family and stuff, good stuff. And then Mick ponds like, yeah, there's a young chief. I know is tapping away on his ah. phone right now in this audience talking to Reddit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, oh, That's crap. awesome.
0: Ah, that would have been it's funny. Off. Yeah. You're like you have that moment where you're like, Oh my God, I'm about to get lit on fire in public. But then he's like, actually yeah, to...
1: DRB from, Mick Pond." <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, like a public execution by McPon. Yeah, like that. Would be, but he, like,
1: he oh talked no. about that. He, he cool. Gave a shout out to me and the entire Navy subreddit. Um, he talked about that he'd been reading through stuff since last night with the Fleet Force Master Chiefs, and he okay. So while they're on camera, he, like, he said, "I promise, yeah. I promised to engage." So yeah. after the That's cameras cool. were cut, um, he and the Fleet Forces, uh, Fleet Master Chief, uh, pulled me aside. Gave me coins. They talked with me. Mm-hmm. I talked with his PA person on MCCS, yeah. and yeah, uh, throughout the rest of the conference, I worked with some of the Reddit admin folks to like pass contact information, emails back and forth yeah. between them, and then I stepped out of the way and was wait and see. Um, yeah. And then that some point during that week, because that thread that I originally posted got up. A pretty decent amount of engagement, like some two, three hundred questions and comments. Right. Um, and it influenced another sailor. I think they're a retired chief. Anyways, I, I know his his or her uh, handle. It's Dirt Sailor. So he made a post about okay. about the office of the Pond, And he's talking. I think he's I know talking who it is. We'll
0: talk offline.
1: Yeah. So he's talking about his perspective on the McPond office's role. A totally mm. separate threat. I just assume they was right. somewhat influenced by the, the subject at hand. And McPond's PA account just pops up in it. Like, hey, what up? We're here. Um, and they <laughs> get verified. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it, so cool. that immediately was like, oh, okay. This is a shot across the bow. They're, they're actually. Something's
0: here. happening. Yeah.
1: And then the, the Reddit admins posted the, you know, McPond arriving thread. And they continued to work between each other to find a good time mm-hmm. for the AMA. And it, it happened. And I like what yeah. you said about. Uh, and you're uh spending the art about it like he he, mm-hmm. he jumped into the deep end and yeah i definitely res- respect his fault
0: how, like, exactly. how can you not like yeah i i love yeah. it and and it's a <clears throat> for everyone else it's like the good the good that you can take away from it if you were frustrated by the execution is like he did it at all like it's like it's a huge he leap forward yeah it's a huge leap forward in their communicating with uh Junior sailors via platforms that they actually engage on. So it's like whether or not he fumbled the like the actual delivery is is kind of irrelevant. Like it's it's not wholly irrelevant because obviously they wanted those questions answered, and it's really it's really frustrating when you read because I think Dirt Sailor is one of the ones that just had a an essay of like five really well thought out questions, and there was like I saw like ten of those where there's sailors that had spent a, like some real time on these questions, and then to not have them answered in the same in, the, in like in the same type oh, of yeah. depth and and detail that they they spent developing those questions is really frustrating but it's a huge deal that they even did it so now okay yeah now we got to be better next time a- and hopefully there's more follow through like they said with like the we're going to review it for the rest of the week and get back to you because like no one could have kept up with the amount of uh demand that there was on that thread no. but and yeah i think i, mean, that, I like, think that's
1: what blew them away too is that
0: yeah, One. They're like, oh, my God, uh, I'll say I will. <laughs> yeah, I'll
1: echo what you said. And same mm. thing that BG uh, that Reddit admin BGW said, like mm. people were good. They were professional. They were yeah, actively, I was like
0: shocked at how yeah. well behaved everyone was and that you got such robust, well thought out questions. And like, I was really impressed. So it's like, you can't put any of it on the, on the Reddit thread population. It's like, that was all just their failure to understand what they were walking into. Cause I don't think, I think that the Reddit mods, people like you and, and even me who are like, I don't consider myself like some kind of Reddit expert, but like, I've been around long enough to, I knew that was going to happen. Like, I know the type of people that are in that thread. And I knew there was going to be like essay questions and really like thought provoking, like well-researched questions um and not in short supply so it's like i just think they didn't they didn't know what they were getting themselves into i think they thought they were gonna do an all-hands call on reddit and it's like uh-uh that's not what we're doing here <laughs> you know what i mean
1: well and th- this is why i love that it happened though because yeah, yeah. even as we wait now they see what happens it's not just that now they know they can reference back to it Oh, I yeah. would not be surprised For at, Sure. you know, the next time that MCPon and the Fleet Force Master Chiefs are all together, if they're not looking at some of this stuff together.
0: Because- or, or bouncing stuff off. Like, I'd be in there, like, asking people questions. I'd be like, I might even, like, create a, a ghost account that no one knows is the McPawn and go in there and just be like, hey, if the Navy did this, what would you, how would you feel about that? And, like, would it work? Would it not? Yeah, you know I mean, like, <laughs> why not? Why not leverage that feedback mechanism? Cause you're gonna get like, yeah, you'll get some trolls, but like you're gonna get some really great responses.
1: Oh, definitely. And the other takeaway for me was like that's the entire interaction from when it started at the conference to the AMAs,
2: mm-hmm. they
1: are there. Even if they yeah. don't have accounts, oh, yeah. they're watching. They are yep. lurking. They've always
0: Yeah, I've known that for a hot yeah. minute. Yeah. Yeah. Like they do I mean, they it lurk was just surprising. They, uh, and I, I mean, I knew cause Paul Kingsbury like every six months a few years ago would be like, Hey, I sent that podcast to every actor, active fleet and force master chief. And this was like when I was still on active duty, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, man. Like I don't want my CNC <laughs> calling me in the office, like, going, what are you doing with your life? But yeah, I mean, I would defend every word I've ever said on the podcast, even if my opinions have evolved or my analysis has, has evolved with new information and experience. But it's like yeah like the i know they're lurking because i have analytics on soundcloud where my rss feed is and it's like i know you're listening dc i don't know exactly who but i know you're listening so but (laughs) they i and i I have had engagement and i'm not gonna i i've told people before like i've had a few like active fleets and stuff reach out and try to get on the podcast but i'm like i'm not my pushback is always like, we're not doing an all hands call. Like I'm going to ask you hard questions and I'm going to push you for answers. And if you're giving me word salad or non-answer answers or whatever, I'm not, I'm not even going to publish it. And like, so I was, I was communicating with some of those aides that were like asking me um, to like, if like about getting them on and I would be like, look, like between you and me, this isn't going to be what they probably think it is. Like, we're not just, like d- doing all hands call stuff which is what i've heard like anytime i've, I've heard a fleet on another podcast um like paul had honia on when he was a fleet on the cutlass podcast and i was just like that was part of my th- the thing when i was talking to the the aide that i was talking to i was just like like i've listened to some of these and i'm just like i'm not doing that and it's not like i'm not giving like giving paul a hard time like i get it but like it, there were no answers. There was like a discussion, but there was like a bunch of non answers or really general, like word salad. Thing. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why that even happens. Cause, and that's part of what I was saying earlier about the, the take it out for a spin and see what it can do. It's like, where's the harm in answering candidly and like really telling people what you think, especially being in the position you're in. Cause you're in the position to affect real change. So it's like, I don't understand like and and or just just tell me the truth like just tell me what's going on with the program because that like you just get these really weird like standoffish type or or "Ah, I'll get to that later or we don't have time for that right now or whatever and it's like why like and it's you can tell they're evading and it's like it's not even like a controversial topic and then if I do ask you something like why is the chiefs mess, junior sailor divide, such a problem and whatever. And it's like, you think they're going to answer that or take any ownership of it? Like, and I'm not saying everybody's all the same. Maybe there's a fleet or force out there that would, but I just, I don't know. I, I was like, eh, you know, like I'm, I'm good. Like, so hopefully, hopefully they start to develop that awareness and become a little more candid. Cause like I, that's what the lack of authenticity is what kills a lot of sailors. Like they just, they don't trust or well, think yeah, think there's any value in those. Yeah, they they don't think there's any value and in those positions because like what's the uh, point, you know? As
1: you're talking about this, it made me think to myself like the way that they, I, I don't want to say like dance around and stuff like that, but the way that they engage with critical questions. <laughs> if I wouldn't accept their answer from a select either in chief season, then why is uh, it a full well, fleet of force master? Chief
0: there give was. There was a comment on Reddit that I was so I was such a giant fan of where some some redditor was like uh my only question is would uh BM2 Honia accept the answers that Mick honia is providing that was such a good one I yes. was like boom like I was like <laughs> t-shirts stickers like make it happen I'm like this needs to be everywhere cuz it's it's the that was the best thing I see. I seen the whole time just because it was like, how how does standing in front of this mirror feel, you know? And he's right, and it's like, or he or she, whoever said it, is, is correct. It's like, because BM2 Honia would not ex- accept the uh, like, don't ask me about beards, or like, or uh, some of the other things that they either said, like, wouldn't answer, didn't answer, or the answer they provided was like the the all hands call transcript thing that i lit up was like it's so easy technology will do that for you you won't even have to do anything and then some e4 can just check grammar and spelling and post it so it's like no this isn't hard at all you just don't know how that's it's different and so it's like yeah i i I don't i think that i think part of it is because we kind (sighs) of Touched
1: on it. It's a generational thing. Uh, you yeah, very much sure. were on active duty and grew up in a navy where the navy itself viewed social media as a liability, not a tool. Yep. And a lot of those chiefs from that time frame, they they were taught not to engage, not yeah. use social media. Um, I think that it's going to take a, a few more years to really start getting the people that grew up yeah. in a navy. That was okay with yeah, that. Yeah, I. I it, but the problem is that doesn't of, yeah. do anything in the in the real time now, where we yeah. could be doing things better. Right. Like, I know someday we are going to get naval leadership that is completely attuned with how to utilize a diverse communication strategy that's mm-hmm. effective to the deck plates and that's not cut out mid grade leaders either. Mm-hmm. It's a fine balance to take. But what yeah. we see, what I've observed in my limited perception right now is they can engage and they either are concerned to engage because of how it makes themselves vulnerable. You know, they're going to get hammered and they have to learn how to, to engage with humility.
0: I honestly think though that, and, and tell me how you feel about this, but like, I honestly think that transparency would go a lot better than uh, what they're doing currently even when they're wrong, you know what I mean? Like, cause you, you through, through trusting the people enough to kind of let them in on it. Cause you can still, it's a balance, but you can still maintain the position of authority and hold certain things back as appropriate and blah, 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 while still communicating really robustly about what, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're doing it. Here's why that's, that's meaningful to you and, and accept feedback and admit when you're wrong and all those things. And I think you get, like the, and like people kind of eye roll at this point because Jocko's just everywhere. Right. But when you listen to, I'm a big fan of his work. And when you listen to his, uh, like the origin story of, uh, like extreme ownership and all the, all the the stuff that he does, it's like when he was a task force commander in, in Iraq, um, there was a, like a blue on blue incident. And instead of like his first instinct just like a lot of people's was to try to figure out who to blame and then he was trying to develop this brief as his cmc and like commodore level or co or whatever flew out to to see what the hell was going on and do an investigation and he was trying to develop this brief and he was just like excuse me sorry cancer throat um he was trying to develop a brief for them to, to kind of let him know what was going on. And he had this like Eureka moment of like, it's me. It's, it's all on me. I'm in command. Like everything is my fault. And so he like went down that road of just accepting responsibility and saying like, cause he, he described it at the brief. He was like, all right, what went wrong? And like, he went around the room and, all these stakeholders were like, oh, well, I did this wrong, so it's on me, or I should have better communicated this, so it's on me. And he was just like, no, no, someone else, no. And like went around the room and basically absolved all those stakeholders of any culpability and just said, it's all my fault. I was in command. Everything's on me and I take ownership of all that. And and they let him keep his job after he had that type of incident, which, I mean, if you think about, I, I would equate like what happened um, and I don't remember if there was loss of life. I think somebody got wounded. I don't remember if if somebody died. I think an i like an Iraqi counterpart might have died. Um, but like I equate it to like a collision where somebody gets hurt or something like that or or some type of negligence that leads to like a man overboard where somebody's injured or killed where like you're on the cover of the Navy times and you don't have a job anymore. The end. like, but G office coming for his article. yeah, but how much how much uh, different could it have been i don't know if it would have been like maybe this could i'm sure a lot of the decision making was unique to special operations and his particular co and cmc but like um but the way he dealt with it like maybe if more people did it that way they would keep their jobs so it's like i i always and and it's never failed me either like every single time i have something to say that's like a some type of feedback that I'm like nervous about going to my superior and being like, you're doing this wrong, or this is a mistake, or here's what's going to happen when you follow through with this plan. Um, It almost always ends in a productive conversation, if not a course correction. And it goes even better than I ever thought, but I'm always worried I'm going to get punched in the face. Right. Or it's going to go negatively somehow, even with my juniors, when I have to do a thing a certain way, Like I've never had it go wrong. I've never lost any credibility or trust by going to one of my juniors and saying, Hey, I'm sorry that I screwed that up. You know what I mean? Like it, or or taking responsibility for why something went horribly wrong. Um, look, that wasn't your fault. That was my fault. I should have done better. Um, I've never, I have a story about like, we were, we were getting ready to go underway. We're loading food. They never give us enough time to load food. So we're always working like 18 hour days and it's just madness. So we're like rushing to stow all this food so we can go home and get four hours of sleep so we can come back the next day and hate ourselves even more. Um, and I had a brand new seaman that I checked on board, like barely knows his way around the submarine, uh, has never done a stores load before. And we store stuff in our fan room where there's like the induction and, yeah, you know, I mean, you guys got fan rooms on sh- other ships. Um, we store a lot of stuff in fan rooms just because there's a lot of open voids and space to do it. But. Fans still got a fan, right? You got to stay clear of induction and suction and all that and exhaust and all that crap. So this kid, <clears throat> not knowing any better, found this little like puka and just shoved laundry bags full of crap in front of the suction for a fan. So overnight, this fan smokes itself. Um, Coming the next day, it's really obviously what, ha- obvious what happened. So my CEO is thrilled because we're about to get underway. like, And now the underway is potentially going to be delayed because they have to rip this fan out. And then put a new fan in and all this other stuff. um. And like, usually I, I put eyes on everything. Like I'll walk in and check stowage and, and I had every intention of doing that, but it's 1130 at night. We're all dying. We're all tired. So my LPO walked through, said it was good. So I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, like, and we just left. Um, I don't know if I would have caught it, but maybe like we were I was fatigued like I would none of you know I mean like would I maybe 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 I would have caught it just because more experienced you know like uh eyes but um that so that semen was just like like he hated himself he was so he was just first he thought he was in a ton of trouble and he also like was so bummed that he like let everybody down and disappointed me and all this other crap. And I'm like, you're, you're checking in still calm down. Like you're fine. You did nothing wrong. And my LPO is the one that came and told me that what was going like, that he did it and he knew he did it and he was already beating himself up. I'm like, go put him back together again, but also don't tell a soul. It was him. And then I was just like, it's, it's my fault. And they were like, who did it? And I'm like, I did it. It's my fault. Like I didn't go in there and check. So it's my fault. And my CO was fine with like punching me in the face for not going in there and checking. Um, I was like, my LPO checked. I took his word for it. I I feel like I should be able to do that, but we were fatigued. And so like, yeah, I should have, I, you know, I should have went in there and checked. Um, But it was like with that kid, it's like. I can take that punch in the face, first of all, like I was already a senior chief. It's like, whatever, like, what are you going to do to me? Um, but also like that's, it, it really is on me, no matter how abstract I decide to like go down this, like the extreme ownership type road where it's like, like in this case, like, yeah, there's a really great case to be made that I should have went in there and looked. And I don't wholly disagree with it. I think my, I I had trained my LPO well, he knew what to look for, but we were all fatigued and human error is a thing, but also like, yeah, I should have went and checked. And it became a thing where I was a much more sensitive to it going forward. But it's like. I just, no, I'm like, it's me. It was me. It's my fault. Punch me in the face. If somebody's getting LOI, it's me. Somebody's, you know what I mean? Like if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me because I failed. Nobody, like nobody, I failed in my leadership role and nobody else was culpable. And it's like, if you did more stuff like that, like, like with, when I did that, like all I got was an increase, like a spike in trust and faith in my ability to lead. And that I cared about them and I had their best interests at heart. You know what I mean? Like, it, so I don't understand the fear, like the, based on the public position, like I'm worried about perception hindering the ability to do my job. And it's like what you're doing right now by being detached and standoffish and not, and not transparent, that's hurting you a lot more than you being like open and honest and, and uh, taking responsibility for all this stuff ever would. And it's not like, <clears throat> I don't know Honia and how he's going to, navigate a lot of this stuff i'm kind of making some assumptions because i mean he's only been to mcpon for like five minutes so like i don't i don't feel like we have a large enough sample size to be able to make any kind of analysis but it's
1: no i th- i think this event all yeah. came because he done his he came in the office mm-hmm. in september right at the
0: i think yes yeah, or november kicked off
1: and then he he didn't go to the office of the pentagon he went straight on travel so he's Good. been traveling the fleet sort of uh, from the start and then as soon as, so this event, both in DC and then the, the Reddit interaction was really kind of the end of his, we'll say taking command, his, his tour, Yeah, his tour, yeah. His, his check-in.
0: I feel like that's pretty typical, by, isn't it? Of like when they first get in office, they jet set around the whole Navy to like take the pulse or oh yeah. whatever the goal is. So, yeah.
1: Well, he's definitely got a giant thread of like 700 questions, comments, interactions
0: for <laughs> yeah. cool from his office. So it's like, did you need yeah. to fly around it? Cause then it's like when they're jet setting around the fleet, they're doing all hands calls where pretty much 99% of the people in that room are afraid to ask a question. Cause the walls are lined with their chiefs. Just like, like dare you go, to like, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so you'll, you'll oh, get God. that one guy. You'll get that one guy <laughs> that's ready to risk it all. But otherwise it's like, none of those other kids all those other kids just want to go on Liberty on uh, So they're like I'm not saying uh, anything
1: that, that was me I got punched in the face as an is one for asking like <laughs> Smith something I shouldn't have uh,
0: and hilarious. it was actually a really
1: good learning like instead of the the command there like punishing me like don't get me wrong yeah. they, uh, they
0: they weren't bad they, were
1: they were they were not happy but they used it as a teachable moment. they, yeah, they really that's did. good and
0: good. Yeah. What'd you ask him? Lesson, I'm kidding. Car- well, I'm, uh, what's the T? What'd you ask him? <laughs> so are you, can you say it? I don't, I don't want to, it's,
1: it, well, I'm trying to just think how to frame it. Cause it's going to go into one of the things I, uh, I talked to you about on email that I'm not afraid of oh, okay. talking
0: about. Okay. So
1: I was on an air force base and during my first divorce, my ex-wife had accused me of assault and being on an air force base, there was no DSO. So I had a lot of issues, you know, having legal representation, and because for those on that, base
0: yeah, yeah for just, those who don't know, so it's I, defense defense service office it's where you go for like a defense attorney. Like regular legal is not that you got to go get a defense attorney. But that's yeah. So, anyway, so here's
1: the the interesting thing, and mm-hmm. so my essentially my question, which I thought was valid, was there was a Air Force equivalent defense office on the base. Mm-hmm. UCMJ is UCMJ. Why can yeah. they not help me? They couldn't even. They talk should to me be able to. Weird.
0: Why? But they, just because you're not in the air Because Force? I'm a different branch. Oh, yes. That's so because stupid. There's, that's so. I was stupid. like,
1: UCMJ is UCMJ. So that that yeah. was my question because I thought it was something that maybe the McPond at the time could influence or like just take yeah. a look at, like, hey, you know, a defense, a a jag is a jag is a jag across the branches. Yeah, this you, you would this, think is, yes, but UCMJ is UCMJ. So. That stuff. that was my question. the The jag at the combatant command, which was an 05, um, was really mad, and I, I got to take that L. I do. Um, I don't understand. I, why I, I they think were I framed. Mad. I think I framed the question wrong, or they didn't understand my question. Oh, uh, okay. I think it it made it sound like you know, I think their fear was that I was saying that I didn't get legal help and I was getting railroaded by the command, which was not Ooh, true. That command okay. took such good care of me, so gotcha. I I. Take ownership that maybe I communicated it wrong, but I still to this day stand that it was like you, this interaction proves. How can they not help us if we're in a joint environment? Yeah. Anytime I wanted to talk to a Navy, absurd. Yeah. I had to do intake paperwork and get a different lawyer and wait for San Diego to call me for for a week. (laughs) Meanwhile, I've got, so even though Air Force legal couldn't talk to me for defense They could prosecute you though <laughs> all yeah, my interrogations were done by oh yeah all my interrogations were done by osi not ncis yeah. so it's mm-hmm. like okay so you can have it one yeah. way but not the other so that's uh yeah. that's that rabbit hole but that that was yeah. my question essentially um, okay and still i still like i, said, I still kind of stand by that because
0: yeah that's i would ridiculous. have had a
1: lot less mental health and anxiety issues while going through that circumstance. Yeah. If I had had better access to legal to help me understand what was going on, because that was the longest year of my life waiting for that thing to clear. And, uh, it's a, it's an experience. It really is. And I I actually credit that a lot for that experience of having to look self in the mirror and like, what, what am I going to do after court-martial? Um, but like, I didn't know, I didn't know which way it was going to go. Um,
0: yeah, you never really do. Even like that buddy I mentioned that was uh, falsely accused. They, he was gay and it was a male to male interaction. And this was don't ask, don't tell. So they just, he went to court martial and they couldn't convict him of any other charge other than conduct unbecoming. He was a first class. And they reduced him to rank and uh, they reduced him to E1 and put him in prison for a year, which he only ended. He served like four months and then won an appeal where it all got vacated because it was all just complete tr- like it was complete garbage. Um, And like, it was really it was a bizarre scenario, too, because everybody knew he was f- he was full of it because we were like I was at the party like like he did. And this kid that they were accusing, I'm like, he's a good friend of mine. And he was like our friend group mom. Like it was all dudes that were on a submarine together. And I mean, I would get blackout drunk. I mean, this is like, I'm an E four back then or E five young E five. Um, I would get blackout drunk when we had party. And he's the one that would make sure I would get home safe. I'm like, if he was going to taste like take advantage of somebody and sexually assault them when drinking, he would have done it a long time ago. He had every opportunity and I wouldn't have even remembered it. And neither would our, our it's like our friend groups. It was like 15 dudes that would all go out together and we would all party and we would all like get hammered and we all implicitly trusted this dude. So we're all like everybody. And on top of that, like the whole command loved him too. So like it was really bizarre because everybody knew this kid was like, he basically what happened is he Got curious for whatever reason, like whether he was gay or or some other orientation that I'm unaware of. um He got curious, fooled around with this guy, and then like panicked that oh my god, people are gonna judge me or whatever. And he was drunk, so he jumped in his car and left, and got pulled over for a DUI. And so he said, "I'm fleeing the scene of a sexual assault." And it's like that's not what happened, bro. Like. It at all like this kid would not he, he's the type of guy that wouldn't do it without consent like explicitly like he's such a nice guy he wouldn't step on an ant um but anyway that's neither here nor there it's like he ended up uh like when you went into the court we were all at the court martial. everybody's in whites and it was like the the guy that was accusing him falsely on his side of the courtroom it's like empty besides his legal team and on the the accused side which is was all, my buddy i don't sorry i almost said his name uh, i don't want to do that unless he gave me permission but it's uh it, the entire ship was there and on top of like all these other tertiary people like the whole courtroom was packed in, in, in support on his side you had like the entire chain of command risking it all as like character witnesses and stuff like they're all just going up they're like this amazing human being amazing person like all his roommates everybody it was just like it's just it was so insane and then it all got vacated because there wasn't even any evidence anyway and so they just convicted of conduct because in his defense he admitted he was gay that was what that was what ended up happening was because he had to um to like defend himself but then they convicted him of conduct unbecoming, and then sentenced him like he got convicted for the sexual assault it was it was insanity um but yeah it's it that kind of stuff drives me crazy because like i was talking to somebody the other day about like being concerned about them warping uh the ucmj to suit their purposes because like he's a dude that was part of a beard study that they did recently and he started posting all these instagram reels he, he was somebody posted some of his links on instagram uh, or on Reddit in that thread about when people were asking about beards. That's how I found him. Um, but he got told to like, stop, like his chain of command was like, stop posting that stuff. And he's like, no. And I'm like, what? He <laughs> like told his CEO and everyone just straight up just like, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I, and he had done his research on what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. And he's like, you can't tell me not to do like, you can't tell me not to do this. Um, which I mean, I haven't done the research maybe, Like, but I'm like, I I know what they can do. And what they can do is find something in the UCMJ to convict you with. So I'm like, were you, were you concerned at all that they could like warp it, uh, to suit their needs if they decided they just wanted to drop an anvil on your head, um, because they can. And that's, what's ridiculous and kind of terrifying about it. Hopefully it's gotten better. Like, I mean, it it sounds like your circumstance was stressful, obviously, but, um,
1: yeah, it definitely, it definitely was stressful, Yeah, it, it cleared out the way it had to um,
0: it should or without going into too much detail but like
1: mine was a little different than his and yeah i actually don't mind talking about mine i actually talk about it with junior sailors from time to time to help them understand like let's let's get
0: into it if you're cool with it man like i'm i love i'm i'm a big fan of like if you're comfortable and and feel good talking about it like being vulnerable like talking about vulnerable things like that like i talk about my mental health stuff all the time because like i feel like it's a big deal to junior sailors to hear like a chief talk about it or hear a mass chief talk about it or whatever. Like, yeah, right. I have mental health problems too. So like, let's get into that. And, and like, yeah, yeah. obviously so, whatever detail you're, you're comfortable with.
1: Yeah. So, uh, first marriage, um, really the the important thing here is understanding consent. So, yeah. uh, and that's kind of how I frame it when I talk with sailors. Cause like, I'll talk about this when we do like our annual GMTs on stuff. Right. Like I also mentioned, and for the the perspective of the audience, in 2015, I was sexually assaulted by another male sailor. I uh, mm-hmm. did the full restrictor report and everything. So I'm one yeah. of I don't I've never met anyone else that talks about it. I know I'm probably yeah. not the only one, but I've been on both sides of this. I've been both the mm-hmm. victim and the accused. The yeah. span of about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a uh, it's something I take very personally. Obviously, haven't been on yeah. both ends of that. And the thing with my Accusation is there was never a question uh, kind of similar to the circumstance you walked through about if uh, any type of intercourse occurred, there was mm. contact. The thing that I didn't know because I would just gotten back from deployment was that my then wife had gotten a prescription for Ambien while I was on deployment and had mm. also gone to bed after me and dra- uh, drank half a bottle of wine before she came to bed. Which means.
0: Yeah, I can't really consent she, because she was on another she planet. She yeah but i didn't
1: know that because right. she was the one that woke me up and initiated contact mm. it was only in the morning after where she had no recollection of what had right. occurred so <sighs> what ended up being the determination what i was told is obviously and this is why i thought i was going to go to court martial like, there's not a question like i was straight up with was like yes the this occurred mm-hmm. so now you're into a matter of context consent and culpability. Yeah. So, did I know, or is it reasonable that I should have known? Right. Um, and the answer was no, thankfully. Yeah. But, like, as much as I despise my first ex-wife for some of the stuff that she did afterwards because mm-hmm. she became physically abusive and emotionally abusive to me, which is fair. She felt, you know, I assaulted. Well, yeah, she felt
0: to, like she had been assaulted, yeah. but, yeah, gotcha. I, I have
1: to take that with some humility, even though it doesn't right. justify not, her then. Yeah. Um, it's not, yeah. Yeah. You know, To this day i can't like call her nasty names or something she is medically a victim of this i'm just not legally responsible for what occurred yeah and that's a very complicated and nuanced position right it's it is still something to this day that kind of keeps me up at night there's still even you know see this is what 2016 so we're seven years on now and
0: Mm -hmm. i still get
1: anxiety i still yeah I, I believe it, man. Stuff. I,
0: I feel like I, I'm wired in that way where like, even when they told me I wasn't responsible, I would still have those moments of like, basically like <clears throat> saddling myself with the burden of like, I should have been clairvoyant somehow. You know what I mean? Or, like I should have, there should have been a way that I knew or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean like get kind of going almost too far with like trying to convince myself that, like wait maybe i should have known like maybe i really should maybe there was something i missed or maybe i like just trying to find a way to blame myself you know what i mean and i I don't know if that's something that that you struggle with but i do that with a lot of stuff where i'm just like it's like i have to have people talk me down sometimes with like certain things where i'm like um i I could have and should have done better and like my cmc used to uh call it with just like regular work stuff I have this attitude of like, uh, can, should, shall, right. Like that's what he called it, where it's like, if you can, you should, and if you should, you shall. Right. And that's like, I, I developed this expectation of, of leaders in particular, where I'm like, like for a chief, like if you have a leadership opportunity to take care of a sailor, if you can, you should, if you should, you shall. So it's not, you're not going above and beyond. You're just being a good chief. And I expect that of you, you know what I mean? And then it, i i applied that really harshly to myself and then that got all weird and yeah like i don't know it's it can get really bizarre when you when you get caught in that like doom cycle of like trying to blame yourself for stuff that like i i don't even know if you can come up with an answer to that you know what i mean like it's
1: uh as much as i hate everything that happened from that especially like what the fact that I will always be the, the villain in that person's narrative and the, right. I have to just take ownership on that. Yeah. I, my, uh, my duty to pay that back is always like reflecting on how much that experience forced me to grow. Like that was my mm-hmm. finally growing up in my mid twenties moment was going through yeah. that experience and it's become such a, a hugely formative part of me like being willing yeah. to talk about it, like sit down with sailors on the mess decks over coffee and talk about these spirits. Cause you're right. Chiefs don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I forget which fleet or force master chief it is, um, but he talks about his, uh, his moment. And he's done so on camera before. Mm. That's why I even feel comfortable talking talk about where he was assaulted growing up as a child, never talked about mm. it, bottled it up. And it wasn't until he yeah. was a CMC that it came out. And, and yeah, I heard him tell the story when I was at the symposium in DC and it, even as a, a chief and someone that's been through, it, it was still powerful to be like, wow, mm-hmm. he's actually yeah. up there saying
0: it. Yeah. Jeff Bayless does that. Like he assaulted as a kid. I don't know the specifics of the story and I don't know if he's ever shared it, but he has shared that that happened growing up. Um, and that was something yeah. that he just avoided and bottled up. And, and part of the, like, he was the, one of those, like, uh, hyper overachievers, workaholics that, I mean, he made every rank first time up. He was a chief in like six or seven years. And then he got picked up for deck LDO. He's a bosun's mate chief. Um, and then he was a JG about to put on Lieutenant and got into a blowout argument with his ex-wife. And then uh, he'd been drinking, jumped in his truck to, to leave that argument without doing anything stupid. And they got pulled over or he got in an accident actually. And then, you know, you know how it goes from there. Um, ends up getting reverted back to chief finishes his career retires, but he started based on all the things that happened It like that, that ended up being his formative experience of like turning him into the duty today, which is like one of my favorite humans breathing. And like, he has an amazing podcast. He, he was going, he goes around the fleet still to this day, even in, now that he's retired flies around and, and talks about um, like where he was at. Like, so that happens. It led to the career stuff that happened. He got to a point where he was like suicidal and like having a really hard time because he, all his self-worth was tied up in his career and his status as this uh, guy with this gold SWO pin that made it from the bottom all the way up to a dude. He was driving an aircraft carrier around, you know, like, and then when all that got taken away, he had to like really assess like, who am I, what, what get like gives me value or whatever. Yeah. Like he had to like rebuild everything and he does these really crazy candid talks out like out on ships and at shore commands and stuff that are incredible. Um, but those types of things it's like, and you like you talking about it too. It's like, it, it means so much to, to sailors that have gone through it to hear, um, to hear that your stories, man, like it's, it's, it's incredible. And it's like, and it, it really illustrates like, not just like how far you can come like, Stuff like that happens. Like I talk about like the cancer and the mental health stuff all the time. And it's like, I am such a better person. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm, a, I'm bizarrely healthier than I've been in my entire life. I, I have a bunch of issues still, but like, um, like I, I had all these sleep issues and all this other stuff that I had to go through the cancer stuff to get fixed. And then once it was, it's like, I sleep, I it's still not great, but it's like, it's a lot better than it was. So like my quality of life's way better. I'm, I'm able to do more. I'm able to, you know what I mean? And it's it's so weird because it's like I, li- I lived most of my adult life in this like reduced status, not even really understanding what it was or why. And, and that had implications on my mental health and all this other stuff. But then you come out of the other end of these experiences like just better. And it's so weird because it's it, when you're in it, it's all negative. Like when you say to somebody like, oh, I had cancer. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And it's like, I'm not like, <laughs> thank you. But like, <laughs> thank you. But like, I'm not, cause I, it was weird. Cause I went into it almost feeling like, um, it had like, of course I have cancer and like that I, there's something I need to learn from this. Like that's why it's happening. And it, it was so weird that cause I had, I felt that immediately at the beginning, I talked to my mom about it and I'm just like, this is so str- I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of any, like, I mean I freaked out when a brain surgery happened a little bit like I was like oh I could die here like this is this, this is sketchy but like then with radiation and everything else I was just like I was not I wasn't really thinking about it that way like I knew I was going to be fine but I knew there was something that like I needed to learn something from this and I'll come out the other end better and blah blah blah. So like it's super strange and you're like because like that's what you're you're explaining and that's why it made me like think about I'm like it's so weird how this how that works where you go through these horrific experiences and circumstances but like if you can navigate it and like do the things you need to do to deal with any mental health implications and everything else like you come out the other end of it like just a whole new version of yourself that i, I would argue is almost, is pretty much always better if you if you deal with it in a healthy way and it's like
1: it's like a, it's like a weightlifting regimen for yeah intelligence
0: right yeah it's like a, a yeah that's a great way of articulating it it's like a it's like a the only way you can like exercise that muscle is by going through just these crazy, like this crazy adversity, but then like finding the mechanisms to deal with it in a healthy way. And if you do the work, damn, like, I, I mean, I have so many more tools. I'm much more empathetic. Um, Yeah, like it's all of it. Like it was it's. It's made me an infinitely better person, and it sounds like it did. For you too, and it gives you that teaching tool as well, which I think is amazing that you're using that. That's
1: what it's about, because eventually, yeah. these sailors are going to have to relieve me, whether I retire at 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever my right. my wife now will let me do. And eventually, because <laughs> I, I want to stay in. Like I, yeah, I can't decide if I want to go officer, go warrant officer. Um, yeah, my mentors want me to become a master chief up for senior chief now like there's yeah the world is still my oyster but it is obviously very the much one so. priority right now is i've got my i got that first kid on the way like i spent yeah. two hours today watching a uh like a fir- uh, birthing class thing with my wife and
2: how uh. you
1: know, to change a <laughs> diaper and stuff i'm like oh man i have no yep. idea what i'm getting yep. into and i'm so excited about it
0: good like, good <laughs> luck man like I, <laughs> I i don't have any kids and i like I had we have that conversation a lot of the time and I'm just like I can barely take care of myself like I'm a horrific adult like I'm working on it and I think I'm getting a lot better. Uh me and my wife really are putting our back into it uh this Is like we just we we're, we got frustrated with like just being bad adults like we just let a lot of stuff go because there's no one here to tell us otherwise, <laughs> you know? Like it's like I need an adult supervisor. But it's like yeah, I just I don't know. Like, uh, I don't, I, I look at it and I'm like, I'm sure I would rise to the occasion, but like, I just think about it. I'm like, how would, how, how would I do that? I don't understand how I would manage that. Even now, I don't work, man. I do this and I go to college full time. I still am like, I can't even imagine. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine having that that type of responsibility.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. All I know is yeah, that you'll I look fun. at, I look at it the same way that I look at sailors. I get to help that little child, just like I get to help Mm. sailors become a better person, a better version of themselves through my experiences and my gaffes and my failures. Right. The best good leaders learn from example, better leaders learn from those that screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Watching, learning, growing. It's, it's a similar feedback mechanism. So I'm going to approach it like that, but uh, for the listeners that are, Going to be listening to this. I'm not going to approach it like a chief. I'm going to approach it like a
0: <laughs> humble leader, like a person. Sometimes like, those yeah. things are
1: not a not a perfect circle on the Venn diagram.
0: Yeah, like let's I talk about that referenced. a little bit. Like, I'm yeah, that curious. was my kind of my segue.
1: For yeah, you. I like Both it. It was, pitch.
0: it was smooth. It was smooth. I'm <laughs> glad. I, I'm glad. I'm alert enough to recognize it because it was an early wake up for me today. Um, the how do you? What's your analysis of the Chiefs mess as it currently stands? And like your interactions are more current than mine. Obviously, I retired in September, and even then, I was at a flag command, largely detached. I mean, I would call the mess we had there dysfunctional. Um, great CMCs, but the CMCs at the flag level are pretty detached. So we had a staff SEL, good dude, but it was like herding cats, and the way the flag uh staff was like. Oriented in in the duties and responsibilities. A lot of the chiefs were just like constantly all off in different places doing different things on submarines or whatever. And it was like it was just it was it was a dumpster fire. We didn't do anything well, really. Um and so I'm just curious, like, what's your analysis? And and yeah, we can go from there.
1: So the first ship that I was a chief on, uh the one Mm. I got made a chief on, uh, Mm. The motto of the ship as coined by the NCO was the best damn ship in the Navy. And uh, <laughs> that went from an opinion to an objective reality, and nobody on the East Coast can argue that because, okay. for instance, eventually at the end of that year, um, so a flow training group sends out a Top Gun message. Mm-hmm. So there's like the 20-something warfare areas and mobility areas it's for really, surface ships. Really? We
0: couldn't come up with our own name? We had to steal Top Gun? Like, come on.
1: I, I'm just telling you what it is, man. So, you know, any ship that's <laughs> on be, there is like the best the best uh, on the east coast for these Mm. mission areas right so any ship on there for one time is that's good you know yeah yeah that's going your fit rep any ship is on there two times okay
0: okay all right uh
1: my lpd was on there six times
0: damn like consecutively six
1: different areas we took top gun okay for east coast like you, you can't argue that. Best damn ship in the Navy. Please see reference. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, I love that crew. Uh, I love the people that put me through season. Uh, it was the mm. right. Good. It was the right leadership. It was the right scenarios at the right time in my life. What do you. But th- that's before we get past. Of the of
0: her. Yeah, I was going to say before we get past that, like, what do you think made it that exception? Like, what was what was about what was <sighs> it about the command? Just
1: excellent humility in the leadership like the mm-hmm. cmc at the time uh she was actually just recently i'm not going to mention her name but she's amazing like yeah if she's listening to this which i'll send her a link for it she knows who she is i hope you get whatever next cmc tour you want
0: I is know she what the award the her. award-winning one is that who i'm, who I'm thinking of the uh the recent so, award no. winner no okay
1: no, I, I had to look. It might be that's, she's so humble fine. she wouldn't she wouldn't mention if she wanted anything. Right? She really wouldn't.
0: Well, it was all over social uh, media. That's the only reason I'm aware of it. But yeah, either way. So
1: she, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, God, obviously, I'm not going to go the specifics, but like, I, I have so many like visceral memories from that Chiefs mm-hmm. experience with her because she <laughs> absolutely terrified me. But like, ah. yeah, I sent her a, <laughs> I sent her a screenshot of me signing up for SEA today. Yeah. yesterday and she was like so happy for me and so Good, like, she really is like. That's awesome.
0: Um, it sounds like a good one.
1: In passing, like uh, that, I've written a couple articles. Like mm. every time I get something published, she always tells me I need to mail her an autographed copy, and I'm dink <laughs> on that. She's uh, probably mailing counseling shit.
0: Yeah, she probably <laughs> should. Let's go.
1: But it, the 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 Chiefs there were just good. Yeah, they were just good. Mm. Um, I will also say that they also had kind of like this running thing that um, they knew that one of the selecties would get, probably get, they were telling us the whole season, like one of you guys is got DFC. We're not going to know which one of you, but we're, we're going to bet. Cause they'd had a, a trend where yeah. after the season, eventually someone would screw up and someone did screw up in my season or not in my season after my season and he did get uh, sent off the ship and rightly so yeah. nothing, nothing super bad, but he, yeah, yeah. He, he just, he started making sailors really uncomfortable. And yeah. the command actually took action on it because that was good. the command
0: climb. Because it's they a good took command, yeah. Action.
1: Uh, yeah, great ship. I missed them like every day. I missed them. Still following yeah. them on social media. <laughs> yeah. Um, went to a cruiser. The cruiser mess mm. there is solid. Um, Kind of my, I tell this to sailors because I'm facing this issue on my current destroyer where the ship's just not ready to get underway. But yeah. you know, we're, we're getting there, but we mm. got to get underway. And, and you probably know this as well it's surprisingly oxymoronic but you it's hard to make, you can't make a crew important the only way to get sailors to have like a strong buy-in on the ship oftentimes mm-hmm. is to get underway you, you got to get that feedback
0: loop. so uh, um, yeah i mean it certainly helps it makes yeah. it easier. It's easier yeah, for leadership for sure. to
1: lead when you're when you have organizational inertia, That's mm-hmm. what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. You got that positive feedback loop of go out other way, accomplish something, come back in the port. Right. Build that
0: well then build that maintenance bio. periods maintenance periods are always like it's it removes the sense of purpose a lot and so it makes it really difficult to keep everybody engaged and motivated and heading the right direction. But yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. My, my my metaphor on that is I'm not a religious person. I'm not superstitious, mm-hmm. but you can't convince me that ships aren't alive because they're brought alive by the sailors. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And when you put a ship into the yards, it's like somebody going into surgery and they're under. Yeah. And they're, they're like under put the knife. under. Yeah. Yep. You That's know, with every, every work center is an organ. Every sailor is a cell. Like we're not yeah. able to do what we're supposed to do because we're, we're in surgery right now mm-hmm. and then we got to get up and we got to go to like physical therapy. Shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that, yeah. that really is like a metaphysical mm-hmm. metaphor for what workups is and all that. It's just, yeah. the, the, sh- the cruiser I was on has already been going underway and mm-hmm. so that, that mess was really starting to get, it. they were getting that buy-in, they were starting that feedback loop. Uh, right. like the Destroyer I'm on, we'll get there. We have some incredible motivators both in the wardrobe and the mess. So when you ask me what my opinion of the mess is, I look at the wider mess, like what the stories people tell me and the things I see in Navy times, the things I see on uh, Naval Institute news and what sailors are talking about, social media. And I look at where I've been, I'm like, am I just a lucky one? Because I will not take away from the reality that I think that the Chiefs mess I think broken is a strong word but i don't know how it's to frame it but when i say broken it's like it's like a fracture that's healed improperly and you need to reset it and that's kind of what i how i see the the chiefs mess right now
0: i i don't think that's a bad description i think it is worse than you perceive it to be just for, for that reason i think i don't maybe you are getting lucky or maybe it's getting better i don't know but like I certainly like I was born in the same way, like my chief origin story is very similar in that, like I was on a special project submarine and it was like Mecca for submarine chiefs at sea on a submarine. It was like I had a three, a dude that he was on his third Cobb tour and he was a CMC. And then I had like a bunch of senior type A, just EP level chiefs that because you have to volunteer and screen to go to that submarine. And so it's like, you think about the type of people that end up there. Like, you got to want to be there. Uh, it's not a normal detailing pathway. Um, so I just, when I showed up as a first class, um, I thought I had a good shot at making chief. And then when I did, I thought they were going to redistribute me somewhere else. But the chief that I had at the time wasn't great. So good dude, just wasn't good at being a chief. Um, he uh, They were like, uh, yeah, we're going to keep the young guy that's full of piss and vinegar. And so they sent him somewhere else. <laughs> So then I'm like, oh God, like not only am I all of a sudden an LCPO and a department chief, because they had, uh, we didn't have, I don't think we had an LS chief at the time. And then when we did have one, it was like, I was already kind of embedded as the department chief. But, um, and then like, I'm on, I'm I'm on like the, it's like the tallest glass of water there. You know what I mean? Like it, this is the biggest hardest lcpo role in my at sea career field that like exists and this is my first one where i'm like learning how to be a chief so thank god i was there though because it was like a cpo academy all the time like i had 20 plus just incredible mentors that were all senior that were all like a lot of experience and and even though i hated it at the time i couldn't get away with anything like anytime i screwed up somebody was there to snatch me up and be like hey dummy that's not how you do that and then teach me how to do it. You know what I mean? Like hold me accountable and teach me like how to do everything. Um, so I credit that a lot with like my. I, I felt like I just got really lucky, and I feel like that's a lot of the re- reason why I am the way that I am. But and why I approached the, my entire career as a chief the way that I did. But. Um, but yeah, I, I then, then, so I go to shore duty, the mess, like I had some good ones, but the mess was dysfunctional and I was constantly fighting against that. But like we were also undermanned and there were all these other issues when I was an instructor. But then um, when I was going back to sea for my second boat, I made senior chief towards the end of that shore command. And I was out in Hawaii for like a wedding or something. And my EDMC, it's just like an RDMC on a carrier, um, and my old IDC, my dock from that, that, special projects platform they were both in pearl and i was like hey i'm coming out who, who do i know that's still stationed in pearl and they were like oh us and they're like hey where are you going next and i told them and i'm like oh we need to have dinner like you're not leaving hawaii until we have dinner and, I, and they were like we need to explain to you what's about to happen i'm like what do you mean you need to explain to me what's about to happen and uh, when we sat down to get dinner they were like you're not going to The chief's mess that you're used to you're going to a normal submarine chief's mess and i was like okay why like why is that a thing that i i should be that worried about and they're like because you're used to everybody pulling their weight and being engaged and like working well together as a team that like so you're used to like 90% 90% of like 90% that 10% knuckleheads, right? You're going to have 90% knuckleheads, 10% pipe hitters, if that. And I was like, really? And he's like, it's not like they're bad people. It's like, but without a catalyst, they're going to uh, like power down to the lowest output level possible, uh, you, you know, until something agitates them and makes them do otherwise. And I was like, okay. And like, so we had a long talk about it. And I reported to that submarine and he couldn't have been more right if he was a psychic. <laughs> like it was, I walked in, the cob was atrocious. The, all, almost all the Chiefs were terrible. Like the guy I relieved was like the best one on board, shockingly. So he leaves. And then there was one other dude that was the A-Nav that was amazing, but he was on his way out the door too. Um, and he was like, I showed up and he was basically like, I had it, you got it. Like, and you're the guy now that's going to like, <laughs> Be the competent voice in the chief's mess and i was like oh god like oh god and things would happen like um i remember i was still checking into the command i had been there like two weeks and we went to an all like we quarters on the pier is what we call it i don't know if everybody calls it the same thing but it was like all- a command all hands calling the pier and uh i walked up there and my XO's like hey are you gonna are you filling in for the cob i'm like huh where, where like where's the car co- and i'm looking at this other guy that other senior chief i'm like where is he? he's like dude, I don't know, dude. he does this sometimes he just is <laughs> i'm like what do you mean he does he just doesn't show up and i'm like he's like yeah he's like i'm like the crew doesn't even know who i am like you want me to fill in for the cob at an all-hands call like what are you what are you talking and i did it <laughs> but i'm just like i have no i and then the ceo walks up he goes where's the cob i'm like i don't know sir i'm i'm what you got (laughs) so he's like okay and uh it happened a bunch of times with that guy and then he ended up getting like soft fired they basically lied to the crew and said he had medical issues but that's not what happened he got sent home because he was he was useless and basically Ah. uh, he he was already bad but then he Cobs are like um, they're still in rate. They're just like they're basically like a collateral duty SEL. So their promotions are based on quotas for their rating. Being a cob is a huge deal. So like those guys usually make nine first. But uh, there were zero quotas for his career field. So he just went sad puppy and like clocked out and just didn't do his. It was yeah. it was terrible. So and the rest of the mess, like I have this theory about chiefs messes where like so in the case of that ship you were on and I don't know what happened after that CMC left, but I'm just saying I have this theory that there's a, like a usually like a culture that's set by uh CMC or CMC and a handful of like senior chiefs or mass chiefs that are on board the ship. And then it's when funny that- you say
1: that, cause there was this group <laughs> of, uh of chiefs it was the DCCS and the FCC mm-hmm. and the CTRC yep. and a couple of other reasons. And they called them literally, they had their own coin and sticker. And they called themselves yeah. good chiefs yeah (laughs) like they uh, they were they were the doers that's amazing
0: that's amazing but but also it's like it almost like it anecdotally proves my theory of like they i have this theory that so like if you removed those guys or girls or whatever and the cmc who like what happens and what i i have this theory that the chief population at large it's like the nature channel it's like national geographic like when those (laughs) people are there to create that culture, everybody adapts to what's going on around them. But when you re- if you replaced that CMC with a tyrant, the culture is going to change inevitably because most of the people aren't setting the tone. Most of the people are adapting to it. They're just like, oh, this is what we're doing now. OK, you know what I mean? So it's like, was it a really great chief's mess or was it just a really great leadership structure that that created that culture while they were there? And the sad part, just like you were talking about with like the longer terms for the leadership structure and the it's like fleets, forces, admirals, whatever. It's like, you, and it, whenever that great CMC that you had was there, that sphere of influence kept it all going and kept everybody in line and and aligned towards the creating that culture and then just mission accomplishment in general and blah blah blah. But then you remove her and and that team, or even if you just removed her. And then that team is there, and they're like trying to like juggle all the flaming chainsaws now, minus her, which that position is very important. Everybody looks to whoever's wearing the cookie to set the, like the the cultural tone in the Chiefs quarters. So it's like. When you remove her, those now those a few good chief people are like trying to keep it from falling apart. And then when you start PCS and them, if they don't get replaced with pipe hitters, then it all falls apart. And so it's like i yeah. that's the theory for me is like the, you know, 80, 90 percent of the chiefs mess at large is is like that. And it's it's not that they can't be taught differently or. Um, but like minus robust leadership development education me getting on my soapbox um you're gonna that's what you're gonna have you're gonna have 80 90 at large of people that maybe they feel some type of way about how it should be but they're just not gonna be the vocal catalyst that's required and even if they were like so in my in my position when i went to that submarine i was a senior chief and i was a department chief but i wasn't the cob So it's like, I filled in for him a whole bunch. Even the next guy that took over, I filled in for him a whole bunch too, but I still wasn't the Cobb. And so it's like, did I play a large role? And was I very vocal in the Chiefs mess? And with setting that type of a culture and and holding everybody accountable? Yes. If you removed that Cobb, would it have worked the same? Like if you gave me a weak Cobb and then told me to do that, would it have worked? I don't know like because i had a bunch of dudes like when when we pulled into the shipyard and then i got ready to transfer that cob rolled out uh not long after i did and they got a really weak cob and there were still some really strong department chiefs but it was every time i saw him and like a guy ga- like i'd run into him and in like a little gaggle and they were just like uh like you know what i mean like this this guy because he he wants to like put a stamp on everything and he wants to he was like a type of dude that was trying to like basically like lead with lead unilaterally I don't want to say an iron fist because he was weak but um he was making a lot of unilateral decisions without including any of the department chiefs and it's like this thing was humming when he showed up and turned over like everybody was working well like we did we had a great culture it was a really strong mess it didn't start that way but that's how it ended with that new cob and a bunch of new department chiefs that came in. But then um, when he, le- when you pulled him out, it's like, that was the glue that was holding it together by ver- just by virtue of him wearing the cookie to work. And uh, he would allow us to do our job. He was the one that like, he didn't stand in our way. He let us do our job and, and he trusted us. And then when you pulled him out of it and you put that weak guy in, he didn't trust anybody and he didn't let them do their job. And so then it just threw a monkey wrench and everything because he's the cob. So it's like, you, you can argue with him, but you can't really say no at the end of the argument if he's hard and fast. And, and then the CEO is hot garbage to you, but that's another story for another time. But yeah, I have, I have this working theory that most of them are adapting to what's going on around them. So when you see those super high functioning messes like that, or like I interviewed Captain Alota from the Mirtha, and it was kind of the same thing where I was like, so we remove you. We put a new, let's just say like a regular CEO, whatever that means. At that uh, like how long does that culture last is it because are the cmc and xo keeping it the ball rolling okay then they transfer then what happens right then it's just a regular ship and whatever that means whether it's good or bad or indifferent it's like the the it shouldn't be that shouldn't be what we're relying on is i guess is i guess the point of the theory and my point generally is like i should be able to walk away Or like the, you should be able to just rotate in a new CMC and, and like everything, the whole culture of the mess doesn't change. You know, like I think if we did a way better job with leadership development and education, particularly at our level, starting it with new chiefs, it's like, you wouldn't see as, as these drastic, like ups, downs, and some everywhere in between, you'd see more continuity and it'd be like a shorter waveform or like a, I guess, longer waveform, just less peaks and valleys.
1: The consistency part is big, and that's actually yeah. there's a couple of thoughts on that. One is uh, marrying together two things, I know that this big pond's talked about a lot. So mm. one of the things that I first was like, oh wow, he's actually saying that uh, was at the <laughs> symposium okay. and he said emotional intelligence about six times. I love it. In
0: context. In context why is of on, why isn't that on YouTube? Yeah, so I've been... Oh, oh, no. oh, no. I knew that was going to happen at least once. <laughs>
1: I know. So, um, and it was in context of, I know that some sailors are going to quote this and they're going to be angry about it because I, I, I see how this was... Like I said, this this is recorded, so I'm not like saying something. Right, important. right. Um, He said that chiefs should be the, like the original or the first mental counselor. And I know a lot of sailors don't feel that because they don't want to talk to their chiefs. But his he, framing on that is that he wants chiefs to be more emotionally intelligent. Well, yes, or I agree that with that. Framing. Because to him, if the sailor can't come, and he said this out loud, mm-hmm. if your chief and your sailor can't come to you with something, even mm-hmm. you have failed. You're the problem. Yeah, you need to fix yourself. I agree. So the fact that he said all of that and then said like in that same paragraph, he'll say it's like emotional intelligence like six times. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He he's yeah. he might not agree with we don't agree necessarily with the. I bet that he, you, me, and him would not agree with the proper uh, prescription to fix this stuff. But we're all kind of on the same page that there's a diagnosis. And right. That's I, what we I, have to get at.
0: I think that him so him saying the first part, I I don't I don't agree with the exact wording if that was a the his exact wording, but I I bet. I bet what he meant by that was something I would agree with in that, like, if you're going to say I should be the first mental counselor or whatever, like, okay, you better provide me some training, bro. Like this isn't (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Cause there's a difference between me just being an empath and, and a person that cares about the sailor and is willing to have conversations and me being like a mental counselor. Like that's a dangerous lot. That's a dangerous um, phrase that he that he used, but I think his intent was, was great. Like, because if you're teaching emotional, emotional intelligence, thus increasing it across the board in the chief's mess, you're going to increase the accessibility of those people. Like, cause a big reason why sailors have mental health issues in the first place, in my opinion, is incompetent leadership. So you get people that don't have that emotional intelligence, don't have the accessibility, the ability to communicate and, you know, just the tools necessary to be that first point of contact that you bring your problems to if they were, and they had that capability, which isn't mental health related at all. Other than if you fail at it, it's going to provide, it's going to provoke stress in that person to the point that it can lead to acute mental health issues. And I think it largely, like, I think it does across the board at a, at a really high rate that's not recognized at the highest levels, but it's like, I, I, do think if you're if you're looking at it that way, if that's what if that's what he meant by that, I think it's a super productive thing to say out loud as, as much as possible. And God damn it, why isn't that on YouTube? But and the like, other thing yeah, is, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I marry that. So that's a strategy. That that mm-hmm. to me, I view that as his strategic vision, his his right. strategy. So the, his tactic, the way he's going to get at that, is he also talked extensively about the brick and mortar leadership schools because I think Ooh. that he recognizes that.
0: Maybe we can listens to my podcast. I don't know. Like, let's go. He's <laughs> saying you're, right. you're speaking you're... my no. language, Jim. Let's go.
1: <laughs> but like looking at, like I said, I just recently started your podcast and a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you were talking about five years ago is the yeah. stuff that people are not just talking about on Reddit, but we're all talking about the fact that when you compare us to the other branches, we suck at NCO yeah. development. We do. We, if we, cause I don't think the solution is something that we can, you know, re-break the bow and then reset the cheese mess. Yeah. We've got to grow a new tail like a lizard. We have yeah. to take yeah. these new sailors, you know, <laughs> put them through leadership schools over the years and mm-hmm. build on each you other. You have to
0: breed but, all this out in generation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: There yep. are things that I, I want fi- to maintain in the Chief's mess. There's a famous yeah. quote from an admiral. I can't remember the exact, which admiral, but he said that the Navy has both a history and a future and should look proudly in both directions. Like there is stuff in yeah, the yeah. Navy. The chief's mess heritage that i think is salvageable mm. and worth polishing and right. there's aspects in the chief's mess culture that is worth criticizing critiquing mm. and even you know doing away with right. i'm not wise enough or savvy enough as both a chief and a leader and just a human being to know all to know what i'm not here to sit as an individual and say that but my, right i quote my own season and i quote the, the same propaganda that i've been fed you've been fed that <laughs> No one chief has the answer, but the mess does. The, right, if it's a mess yeah. problem. The mess can collaborate and work well, together to fix it.
0: So I think that's it's accurate when we're talking about um, recognition that we have a problem, even though we might need the wardrooms help to kind of force that. And then I think that when we diagnose that problem, it should also be collaborative with like the type of, um just because like there's a lot of. Self-diagnosis, like, and I'm guilty of it, obviously, just because I was a master chief, but like, there's a lot of self-diagnosis without including the wardroom in the conversation. And I think it's important to include them because they're the leadership that that we serve, right? Like, I they're the, um, I, I mean, it's collaborative in a lot of ways, but also like, I'm the end user of their leadership, much like junior sailors are the end user of my leadership. So it should be collaborative in that there's a certain amount of like policy stuff that it's like for chiefs that's dictated by officers. So there should be a a dialogue there, but also like when we're diagnosing it, I think you would need an outside source as well, because it's an echo chamber at that. Like if it's just the mess having that conversation, we're never going to change. And then, and I mean, I think junior sailor feedback should be involved as well. Like I, I a ton of it on this podcast, but then when you get into like a
1: whole thread of it right now,
0: Right when you get, he sure does when you get into the uh, when you get into the actual action part of of like so we're prescribing a, a, a salute an intervention of some kind and and solving the problem like I think you can and should start with junior levels and we're breeding it out generation generationally but I don't think that we should neglect remediating the existing mess to the maximum extent possible. What's the maximum, maximum extent? I don't know, but if it gets 20% better by, based on us remediating them through mandatory leadership and development and just changing culturally as a mess to adapt to that, like, remediation, it's like, it would help. I don't care what anybody says, especially because the... Th- I, and I think you'd work your way up from the bottom. I think the very first thing that needs to get fixed is how we bring new chiefs into the mess. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that needs to be improved, elongated like just needs to be more of a depth and breadth of of education that happens and that so that when we're doing the six week uh and i still hate that it's called initiation but here we are like it just feels like a regression but it's um when we get to that point that six week season is a capstone event not like the only resource that we have because that's kind of where we're at right now so we we're doing a capstone bringing them in and and now they're they're a just Maybe maybe the so if we're starting at the beginning, those sail, sailors that we're bringing in and they're getting to uh, imbibe all this leadership development and education from the very beginning through that new life cycle. But then so not but then the Bordell's were first class we have right now. They'd be like a hybrid generationally, but like we could still build a lot of really great things into them before they enter the mess um, through through like rehabbing and, and upgrading the chief season stuff. And then like the existing chiefs mess as it is now, it's like, I have this really, um, probably, I don't know if it's hard and fast, but like I have this stance on the senior listed Academy that it should be like a CPO Academy. Like the stuff that happens there, it's not, you're not talking about like PhD level stuff, which is what I think we should be doing with like senior chiefs and master chiefs. You're talking about like, like the type of leadership stuff that I I think should be the education pipeline for new chiefs. So I think like you put on chief, there's a two year window. You have to be through the senior listed Academy. You know what I mean? Like, because that is the type of things that I think are happening there that, sh- that like you should be, you should be learning those things and have those tools available to you as an LCPO. And then there should be like, then you expand the uh, like capstone and like Cobb CMC courses to include like an executive level leadership thing that is, is intended for senior chiefs and master chiefs. But right now you, we'd be in a remediation stage that I think a lot of people would argue it would be largely pointless. And I passionately disagree with that. I, I don't, I think there's a lot of chiefs that, and I, I know that anecdotally from the podcast, because like when I started this, it was aimed at junior sailors. Most of the people I interact with are board eligible first classes and chief and above and it's like they are starving for leadership development and not being provided it most of the time so it's like organizationally i think if you went into it looking at like hey we're and and i wouldn't call it remediation but that's functionally what it would be because it would just like be bad branding but like i think if you did it it would like there'd be a lot of demand for it. You know what I mean? Like I, I think when, if, and like ELD ever reaches escape velocity, that CPO course is going to catch fire eventually and, and be really valuable if we push it as a mess, because I think that that there's a lot of young chiefs that feel like, uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I felt fake for the first two years. Like I, I really, <laughs> I have this dude. I swear to God, I have this picture. I bought this ring, uh, Cause I was, you know, like I'm per look around. I'm pretty moto in a lot of ways, but like the, I bought one of those chief rings from like a, it was like a retired senior chief that made really cool stuff. But I just, I didn't feel like a chief until about a year and a half in. And I took a picture of it. I see it in my Facebook memories now and then of like, I finally felt like a real chief. So then I, I bought this ring and I caught my sailors called it the ring of justice because they're like, if we're ever out of line and chief backhands us, it's going to leave a big anchor imprint on our face. <laughs> so I never did that, but they jokingly called it the ring of justice. Um, but yeah, it was funny because like I just I felt like I needed something. It was like pinning a year. It's like pinning when I actually felt like a chief. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I didn't feel like I was faking until I made it it anymore. I felt, I actually felt like, oh, okay, I'm actually this guy now. I felt like I deserved it finally. You know what I mean? Like I, brought up something
1: uh, interesting there that I want
0: to talk
1: about. Cause like I said, I've I've bounced between multiple ships, multiple messes. And
0: Mm. yeah, you probably have a unique, a unique level of, like mess perspective for being a young a younger chief because of that, you know what I mean. So like you have a lot more exposure.
1: Well, one of the things that I focus on though is not even just in the mess because I'm really big about uh, my strategies for approaching the crew. So mm-hmm. as an as an IS and the job that I do right now, I'm independent duty. Um, yeah, there's a lot of intel guys that when they're on these independent duties on the smaller ships, they focus that their main customer is the captain, the main person mm. that they brief and interact with our department heads. But if you look at our designation letter we get, it says shipboard or ship's intelligence officer. We belong right. to the ship. So I take that very seriously as a charge yeah. almost. In Chief on the ship I all
0: the time, man. I love Interact
1: it. with the sailors. So like I said, I've been on this destroyer for just a couple of months, and I've spent more than half of that between leave and TADs because mm. I'm catching up on stuff because I just got back from deployment in October.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the crew doesn't really know me yet, but somehow like my interactions with the crews always positive, like I'm yeah. walking down the P way and it's, so this is some of the stuff that I've been told by sailors. Cause like I said, this is stuff that I've done on mm-hmm. three ships in three years and achieved the same result in my day-to-day interactions with sailors, topsiders everywhere, head snipes, yeah. Yeah. everywhere. So, you know, we talk about good order and discipline. So good order and discipline, mm. you know, you see a chief in the POA, you get out of the way and let chief buy, right? Uh, what, what do you do when that chief says, hey, shipmate, how about you come on by? You're the one doing real work
0: right now. Yeah, yeah. That's like, on submarines. It's a lot less of that, but like that, get out of the way and let chief go buy stuff. It, it like it sort of happens, but not really. Um, it's a lot more informal, but like, yeah, I, I dude, I, I was always doing stuff like that. I love that. Like, like, yep. The, and and that, even that you talking about a handling way. the lines and stuff, man. Yeah. Like Yeah. That I stuff goes it. a long way. And even it does just like it does. you see the sailor with
1: the bucket, you get out of the way, you talk with him. Mm-hmm. Um being able to so we had Sailor with the quarterboards uh a couple of weeks ago. And that was walking by the sailors, and there's this mm-hmm. second class that's standing out, uh waiting her turn. We started mm-hmm. talking. I'd never interacted with her.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and you know, I was very impressed with her, like she was talking about her job. She was talking about mm. her education. She was just clearly intelligent. I was like, man, I want to be like you. I thought I was like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. And nah. she was like, well, Chief. She's like, and you're she, a chief.
0: <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and then she
1: told me, she's like, well, Chief, I want to
0: be I want to be wearing
1: what you're wearing when I'm not in the Navy anymore. And I looked at her I was like, hey, this anchor is all fake, man. We're just people under these uniforms. Yeah, you got to do just what you got to do. People
0: doing the damn thing.
1: Not, not like only that, but I used I to be said you. that. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact that I yeah. said that, like she paused and she looked around at the other sailors, like did, did the chief just Did he say just
0: that? say that out loud?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Did th- then she actually said she's like, Wow. So this was the part that why it stuck out to me. She's like, Wow, yeah. that was progress.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such and a that great like, line. And it oh, stuck with me. Like, a great it, it, line. it
1: really stuck with me because I was like, That I just completely subverted that sailor's expectations of what an interaction with yeah. the chief petty officer is supposed to be
0: right just simply like and you're even just like that that you in the minds of every sailor that heard that you created the the possibility that a chief like that can be real because most people are just unwilling to believe that we're anything other than that like caricature of the evil character that's just like like we're all sitting in the chief's mess Going like, how can we ruin everybody's day today? You know what I mean? Like, well, we're like, not doing we're all
1: that we don't have a nice. We well, yeah. Nice I mean, like, I you
0: know? am. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the dude, I used to even try to stroke my beard after. I, so I had a similar beard when I was getting treated for cancer because I was basically not at work for five months. And then, like, I'd get back to work and I'd go like this, just like, and it's not there anymore. Um, <laughs> people would make fun of me. But yeah, they. Uh, yeah,
1: that, that interaction stuck out to me. And then the one that, oh, yeah, the interaction so cool. that triggered me uh to bring it up because you were talking about the uh the ring of justice the fact that your <laughs> sailors were comfortable to make a joke with you like that. yeah uh, yeah i was walking mm. the P Ways yesterday walking by excuse me some sailors that sort are of waiting in the chat line and i'm just chatting with them one the sailor asked me how's it going and mm. i said well right now it's going zero knots but i would <laughs> much rather be going 25 knots right now out <laughs> you know underway now, the I've never thing, interacted yeah. with a sailor mm. but I'm I'm not very quiet about the fact that I'm on my I'm actually on my third marriage. So I've talked about my current wife and my first wife. There's nothing really to talk about my second wife. Okay, um, yeah. but so like I'm 30 and I'm on my third marriage. <laughs> so I say this, you know, this motivated thing about being underway. And the say looked at me, he's like, Chief, is that why you're on your third marriage? And like the entire chat lines, like, got him. Mm-hmm. But but like what <laughs> I, I right, realize, it's right. Like, and how I handled this is going to be huge for well, everybody's watching. And I'm like, but, man, that was good. I'm gonna to, to take that and just
0: but walk yeah. Away. But also, I bet you. So did that did that say of the quarter interaction happen before or after this one?
1: It was. Do you remember? Probably before. Yeah, it was before.
0: So yeah. So I bet you that like the the net like they went and told everybody about that interaction with you not just like you, that had a, a pretty um deep impact on you that she said wow that was progress but I bet you her and those other sailors who were standing there went and told everybody else what you said and that like and they bait like because it's like <laughs> I equate it to like the uh and I don't know like not real prison but like <laughs> like the TV uh, television or movie, like depiction of like, so think like the longest yard with Adam Sandler, like the, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like Chris rock and stuff, like the characters in there where it's like, they went out and told all their friends, like this guy's good. They like co-signed like, Oh, he's this chief is awesome. Like he's a weird outlier, but like in a good way. And so I bet you they went and told the whole network, like they went and notified everybody like immediately, like sent pigeons and like, you'd like this dude, you know what I mean? Because that doesn't happen. And it's, it's such a crazy interaction for them. Less so you, right? Like, that's just how you are. And so like, I learned that throughout my career as a chief where like, and I can't take full credit for it because like like you were saying about them being willing to make that joke with me, there's something about smaller communities. Right. And just the intimacy of like, I was with my guys all the time. Um, Not like, not so much on my second boat because I was doing a lot of like command level stuff. I was standing watching control and I was doing cob things and whatever, but, but still they knew they could access me whenever they want. And there was a, a very um, high level of familiarity. We interacted a ton. I'd go in the galley and joke around with them. So it's not, there's not any like barrier there. And I I did work hard to tear that down, but it there's just some, even if you didn't like your chief on a submarine, it's like you still have ready ready access to them whenever you want, which isn't common on larger platforms and in larger communities. And they, I think the larger you get, the more they like foster that detachment. Like they create barriers and it's kind of ridiculous. So like I can't take full credit for it because submarines, it's just the way that it is. But also like, yeah, I worked really hard on that like familiarity without getting on the wrong side of like fraternization, like, but Yeah, you could be friendly I want, about being yeah, friends. Yeah, I, right. I want them to be able to talk to me. I want them to trust that I have their best interests at heart. I want them to know they have me as a resource and that I will advocate for them. Like you were saying about that mess, like I'm going to take action even if no one else will. And that's what was weird about it, it was like kind of like you're describing and I suspect you're more and more going to find yourself in this role of like, like I, I, my cob, and that's why I said it earlier. I don't know if you, I have a podcast called it too, where I talk about this, where he's like, you're a chief on the ship all the time. You're not the CS chief. You're a chief on my ship all the time, everywhere you go. Like it applies everywhere to every sailor on board. Every sailor's your sailor, blah, blah, blah. And so like, what would, what ended up happening is like when I, when I, and I didn't even realize it until later, like I gained this reputation with my guys And with the LSs when I was their department chief, and then with some of the other people I interacted with, and before I knew it, the whole ship, where I was like the ship's chief, like they would just come to me when they thought they couldn't go anywhere else, or when they thought their chief wasn't gonna and answer them or take care of them, or they when or especially when they needed something like mechanically agitated like they needed me to to go punch something in the face metaphorically like when they they needed advocacy i was the guy usually because i wasn't afraid of the confrontation that was needed to to like break something loose from uh, whatever like was was the obstacle in the way like and if their chief wasn't willing to rock the boat i i sure as hell was and i had a lot of influence in that mess too um so yeah, it would just happen that way where when they knew they couldn't get anywhere else, they would come to me and I'm just like, okay, like I can be this guy. And it was kind of fun. And I thought it was, I'm in my mind. I'm like, I wish everybody would do it. So I wasn't the only one, but like, and I was, I mean, there, there was a few that did that did function very similarly to lead to me because it was a great mess. But, um, there was a bunch of chiefs that just hadn't figured it out yet. And we were working on them, but like, there was a we had an electrician chief that had a very adversarial relationship with his division um, and it was just leadership and competence. It wasn't it wasn't he didn't care about his people or he was like just a jerk or a bad person. He was a very young chief that was pre- he was pretending to be the meme because he thought that's what he was supposed to do. Like he was faking it till he made it, except he didn't know what to do and he, and he didn't understand how to be a good chief. And so we spent a lot of time working on him, but a lot of the damage was already done until those salty second classes rotated out. So it was really, he had a really hard time. And then it was funny because we went, uh, so it was a ballistic missile submarine. You have two crews. When you go into a shipyard, you go, like, you have blue and gold, and then it becomes green crew. So the electrician chief on the other crew was a really strong chief. Like, he he was just one of those dudes that just, he just gets it. Um, And he was senior. Like, he'd been around a long time. He retired after that boat. Um, but he he was just really good, and his division loved him, and he was a, he was just a great chief. He took over the the green crew division, and it was like culturally, just like immediately, they were all happy. They all listened. They had a great relationship with their chief, which killed that that other guy because he was trying so hard, but he was just flailing, and a lot of the things he did at the very beginning were really just harsh and kind of tone deaf, and. He just alienated everybody really, like really early on, and he couldn't get it back. And and but he loved him, and he wanted to help him, and so it just like crushed him that like this dude, he just showed up breathing, and was immediately like their favorite chief, and it was, and he was really great at his job too. But um, but yeah, it's like, uh,
1: but I bet that guy never forgot that lesson when he moved. He
0: on. didn't. He didn't. He actually, no. I got, I owe him a phone call because he called me when he transferred, um. And left me this pretty long voicemail thanking me for like all the t- time and effort and mentorship and whatever and um because i i think he he did start coming around but it was too late for his interactions with that division but they sent him up to be like the work controls guy and um and he so he had a group of junior sailors there working with him that probably um he got to kind of try some of that stuff out on in a less strenuous environment and probably okay like look this stuff works like I, i'm having good interactions with all these people um we're functioning well as a team blah 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 so you kind of got to beta test a lot of it and yeah. i think he he realized what he had done wrong and got better and and um good dude just you know like hadn't that, progressed that story to that point makes, yet
1: makes makes me think of this like <clears throat> we can focus on making someone a good chief or we can Focus on making somebody a good person and the chief follows.
0: Like yeah. like I, investment. It's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, or, or even like a lot of the, the correct way in which you educate a leader will, will have a second order effect that improves who they are as a person. Like, because so much of it is based on those types of principles of just like care about your people, be empathetic, uh, listen to them, um address their needs i'm a big maslow's hierarchy of needs guys so like sense of belonging and all that's all those other uh so like i use getting that, that uh, good
1: i use that in my charge
0: oh nice i like it do you like draw it and everything or do you just explain it
1: i have really bad handwriting so i have a typed one.
0: <laughs> Oh no yeah me too i got to the point where mine unless i know somebody really well personally and so i have something unique to say i have i i say basically the same thing. And I just distilled it down into a one page thing that I typed, especially because, uh, listeners will let every season reach out and ask me for a charge that when they make chief and it's like, I don't know them. So I just distilled it down into the things that I think are important. But yeah, yeah. That's something I rely on a lot just because I think it's like, it's the easiest way to distill down a lot of the really, really important concepts that you could just go. I mean, you could laminate that damn car and put it in your breast pocket and, and like refer back to it if you have to, but like it's really easy to remember. Like I mean, you're you're very rarely, but you do encounter issues with like the bottom of the pyramid where you're talking about like the like are they fed and are they housed and are they safe? And then well, as I you play use that up,
1: as the, the that first seventy two. So you remember that video we used to watch of yeah, like, the horrible, first seventy two hours video. on the ship. Yeah. But the yeah. principle is still so C yeah. Story or not C Story, but like this same week um, so I was at the my rate schoolhouse for uh, some like like a, a curriculum review essentially looking yeah. at stuff feedback khaki stuff so I'm in the student lounge because I don't get to interact with people on my rate I really don't because I'm an independent duty I one yeah yeah so I'll I anytime I'm at the schoolhouse I'll come home for or I'll come back to the schoolhouse early from lunch and go sit in student mm-hmm. lounge since I have access to the building for that one time period. Right. And I'll talk to the kids be like, yeah, what's going on? Yes. I'm a random chief. Don't be afraid of me.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Don't, how fro- do panic. you do fellow sailors? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Like the Steve Buscemi thing. What, what's up? My dudes yeah. hold the skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: um, Eventually I get them talking because yeah, I'm yeah. Just an extrovert, get them talking, yeah. uh, get them excited about whatever place they're going to. Mm-hmm. So the sailor comes up to me and he's like, Hey, uh, I'm going to a destroyer. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, no, 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 I am. Then uh, you show me. So I'm not going to go into the details. Essentially. There's a couple of junior guys that are gonna detailed to this, to essentially be a Batman and Robin. So they're going to go to where the IS one, is. ISC is. And it's just, oh, just
0: be difficult. the junior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: It, it's not, it's not actually going to be a thing. It's just a weird happenstance. Um, okay. He hadn't heard from his his chief. It's like, yeah. okay, what ships, what ships he on? I'll go find out. I'll see what I can do for you. So mm-hmm. start digging, and I'm like, your chief got fired. He's Ooh, not on that ship.
0: You're gonna be we're all by yourself.
1: Have, <laughs> we're about to have an E2 check into like the equivalent of an independent <laughs> court.
0: Yeah.
1: So I start making some phone calls to some people, and uh some of the other senior chiefs were tracking on it, some of them worked. So within yeah. like Couple of hours, Chief Mess and calling people. We were yeah. able to like get. He's still, as far as I know, he's still going to report, but right, he's, he, there is going to probably be an IS Master Chief waiting on the pier for him.
0: And nice. the reason
1: I wanted to bring that up because we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy, and then that led up yeah. to like the next seventy-two. Like this kid's in his prolonged the next seventy-two. That is his first impression of uh, yeah. both the Navy and the Chiefs Mess is that a whole bunch of Chiefs, Senior Chiefs, and Master Chiefs that don't even know who he is, right? Are advocating for him, you know. Yeah, that first seventy-two which is great. When you get that get that sailor on the ship, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy. You know, food, water, everything. Like, mm. do they know where the rack is? Do they know where the bird yeah, is? Like, yeah? You know, walking. Yeah, I I love walking through Maslow's hierarchy in my charge because some sailors, mm. and this is the sad thing, is they haven't seen it. This is a, yeah. a
0: whole you know, a lot of chiefs have never area. seen it, dude. Yeah, like they've lot been in a of leadership them.
1: position for at least usually you know 8 to 16 years. Yeah. So they've been leading sailors for you know cumulatively every season decades and I've
0: mm-hmm.
1: never seen this human aspect. It's not about yeah. being a sailor, it's about being a human. Right. Uh, yeah, so we probably dug way deep on <laughs> hierarchy but it really is like you said that should be like laminated breast pocket. That should be something yeah. that is just part of as you grow in the Navy, you should always be reflecting on how, what tools are you using to achieve that? Um, My other metaphor I use in my charge, just because I'll say, because you've said tool, I've said tool. We always talk about the leadership toolbox, Mm. but I feel that people don't follow through with that metaphor and explain what that actually means. Um, So what I tell people, and I have this written in my charge, is that, You know, you get all these leadership tools and every sailor in every situation is like an MRC, maintenance Mm. requirement card. You got to pull out different tools and apply them in different ways, different times to achieve the outcome. And you talk about like the the negative reinforcement, the the knife hand, the thou shout. Mm. That's (laughs) a universal tool. You can use that to achieve results, but eventually you're going to strip the screw. You will damage the equipment utilizing that. And that's what... I think when people talk about the leadership toolbox, that's the implication, but some people don't understand subtext. Like you got to yeah. spell it out that this is what we mean by the leadership toolbox, that yeah. we want you to utilize this towards that positive outcome.
0: Right. Yeah. I that's a great analogy is like the, cause I, I think that too far too many people rely on that, that method that like just negative reinforcement of like, I'm the chief and I said so. And it's like, okay, neat. How far do you think that's going to get you? You know, like how many times do you think you can use that before they just lose complete faith and trust in you? And it's gonna happen. And then you're gonna have all these, these personnel issues and problems that you're gonna blame on everybody else. And your division's not gonna function, your maintenance isn't gonna get done, and then eventually you're not gonna be completing your part of the mission, which is gonna complete to overall mission failure. And all the while, all you had to do was just treat them like people. And it's like it's it's insane to me how many examples I've I've seen and heard about and, and experienced personally of like if you just treat them like human beings that you care about, you'd be like floored at the results of like, I've, I have so many stories of just like turning around struggling sailors that it's like, okay, let's find out what's really going on here and then meet those needs. Like what's missing. Um, like I had a, uh, I was standing diving off to the watch. It was my second deployment. So the first one, they kind of built a watch section around me because I was the least experienced. So I had a lot of strength around me, right? And then by the end of that deployment, which you know I still disagree with, but they thought I was really good at it. So then they built a a weaker section around me because they felt like they could, like I could handle it. So i had this uh very very experienced uh stern planesman that was so you have like two sticks they're actually driving i'm telling them what to do and then i have a chief of the watch who moves ballast around and does a bunch of other things to like affect buoyancy and, and angle and stuff and i'm telling him what to do so this planesman, like uh, i had him he's very experienced but he's kind of a knucklehead like in every sense of the word like he got second chance to us from another submarine because he screwed up there and uh, just, you know, like everything from grooming standards to attitude to like maintenance and everything. he was just a lad. And then the, we had a, a brand new kid that, you know, good kid, just inexperienced, um, just got qualified to drive. Um, so he is relying on the senior guy to like be his mentor. And I'm relying on both of them because my career progression weird where most people that uh, end up in the dive chair Spent a career driving the submarine and then they progressed to Chief of the Watch and then they progressed to dive. I stood Chief of the Watch on a different class of submarine, a little bit on this current one, and then I stood dive. So I never drove the boat. I didn't have that experience and context. And it's a big deal to like being good at driving the boat. So I have to trust them a lot more. So like I needed this knucklehead to be good at his job. And so I'm talking to him and I, cause at first when they wrote the watch I'm like, Oh God, please don't. Like, please don't put me in this <laughs> position. Cause I don't, I don't feel competent enough. Like I don't feel like my expertise and my experience level is high enough to, to supervise this kid properly. And so I was worried that something was going to go wrong. But then I figured out pretty quickly, like, Oh, when he decides to switch on, he's really good at driving the boat. So I just need to like, keep him switched on. I, that I can do that. I can figure out how to, how to motivate him. And so all it took surprisingly was just installing a sense of, of value in this kid. Like, I would tell him how great he is at driving the boat all the time and how much I trusted him. But also like when he would get disengaged, because he was the type of kid, like he would start to like nod off and stuff sometimes when we're sometimes it gets boring, we're just punching holes in the ocean. And um so I would have to like talk to him, and be like, hey man, like especially when we're going to Periscope depth, it's very complicated and dangerous. And I needed you to be engaged and, and really on the ball because there's a there's not much of a difference between uh like ascending to periscope depth and broaching the ship and everybody can see you or uh ascending to periscope depth and like not getting the periscope and mass out of the water because you just you're off by five feet so you really gotta nail it like to get up settle out at periscope depth not broach not be too shallow and maintain the mass out of the water for comms and maintain the periscope out of the water so they can see and blah 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 um so this kid it was like all it took was me telling him how important he was to the watch team, how much I trusted him and all right, man. And like, and I would get him to communicate with the other guy too. And like mentor him. I'm like, you need to teach him and mentor him. And nobody had ever put him in those positions ever because they never trusted him because he was always getting in trouble. But I'm like, maybe that's why he was getting in trouble all the time. And this, maybe that's why you had all these problems. with him. So like it it, it switched him back on. And at least while he was on watch, he would kill it. Like, he was awesome. And I was just like, huh, weird. You know, like, weird how that works. Like, all I had to do was was give him a sense of belonging. He was he was a very important part of our watch team. And I trusted him to be the senior guy, the mentor. And And we would get to the point where we'd, we have this dive and drive trainer. It's like a simulation. You might have seen it in, like, a video where it's, like, a fake submarine control room. And it's, like, moving around and simulating, like, the angles and all the things that happen. And he would, like he started mentoring like uh, new people that were qualifying in the trainer and just would he, like the guys at the trainer, like, but this kid's amazing, he needs a haircut, but he's amazing. <laughs> like, and it was just like, it was funny because it was, and like, I was pretty proud of it. Cause I was just like, it wasn't hard. I, as soon as I recognized it, it was just like, I'd seen it a bunch of other times and I'm like, Oh, he's really good at this. I don't need to teach him how to drive. I need to just like give him a sense of belonging. I can do that. I'm good at that. And that's all it took, and he was amazing, and he kept me out of trouble. So it's like, you know, there's so many, there's so many instances of that kind of thing happening. Where and, and that's all it takes is it's I'm just treating them like people instead of consumables, you know. Wild. Yep. It's um,
1: I I really think that the leadership academies as they come online or whatever we start to do to kind of get ourselves right. a more aligned with our joint uh, joint. Fellow Services is going to be kind um, of the right step. Uh, it's definitely yeah. something I wish I'd gotten earlier in my career. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed, I get into SCA. It's just going to be a matter of do I have the time I, before the baby comes? Yeah, I'm not going. I, not going after that baby comes.
0: <laughs> I highly recommend it, man. It's amazing. Um, I'm looking let's forward do, to it. Let's do one last topic pivot because um, I'm sure. I've noticed I noticed a theme in a few of your articles, and it's something I've talked to my buddy Jason about. Um, and that I've, I've come to believe pretty passionately uh, uh, in that, um, and we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, is like the m- more of like a organizational outlook on and even like training and evaluating sailors on their capability as a, as a warfighter instead of um, a lot of the other things that we put into ECPs and evaluate sailors on which it it is evolving slowly into in the right direction. I think as far as like what we're putting into like, like you mentioned before we started recording about uh, what's in the convening letters and and board precepts and what they're looking for to promote to chief, but also like from the very beginning, it's like, I feel like it's instilled in sailors that there's all this like extra superfluous things, not like entirely useless, but like, it's the type of stuff when things start when things start exploding around you on a ship. It's just not going to matter at all. Like even updating your NFast, like it's not useless. <laughs> it has it has a great it has a great intent, but it's not critical to warfighting effectiveness at all. So it's no, like, uh,
1: why are we doing it three times a week? Right. It's, uh, yeah. So uh, <sighs> I've written I think five articles in the last three years. Uh, mm. Three of them have been the first place winner in the Navy's Enlisted essay Contest, which is uh, sponsored by the Naval Institute. So I started right. entering them as a first class. The first article I wrote was on uh, damage control culture and combat psychology in the Navy. And I mean, I'm an IS and I'm not that good at DC. I'm going to own that right yeah. now. Like, I'm not. right. I'm not. Like, I'm not on right. the set on these ships because I'm more focused in my warfare area. But I wholly recognize that as we've been... They call it DSAT? Said,
0: when, I always, I always called it DECAD. Yeah, DC, Yeah, PT, see,
1: that's, that's the uh, okay. That's the like East Coast versus West Coast, like oh, some of the I acronyms are ab- same, same but different.
0: Oh, I learned about it. Uh, I had a bunch of surface sailors as instructors, and then when I was at the Chief Board, I got even more immersed because I had to evaluate surface CSs, LSs, and RSs. Um, so yeah, they, the, everybody, I've always heard it say deck it.
1: I've heard it both ways, but yeah, right, that, that's whatever. just the one thing to stick with me. Yeah, stupid um, details. Because the, you're right, like, the Navy kind of got a sh- what I call a shot across the bow moment because mm. of 2016 when the Mason and it's the San Antonio and the Ponce were all fired on over a period mm. of time in, Oct- in October of that year. And I think to this day, we don't still talk about it enough. And there's a lot that I'm obviously not going to say. But in general, right, we got shot at on ships. Yeah. And that hadn't happened in a long time. and. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the 24th of February, 2022, last year, like sailors were exposed to a modern conflict every time that they Mm -hmm. were scrolling through Facebook or TikTok. Like there are uncomfortable circumstances going on in the world right now that is very easy to acknowledge and to point at.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So one, I don't think the Navy equips people, equips junior officers and chiefs that are not like either passionate about geopolitics history or intel yeah. to talk about this which was the the great power conversations article that won last year um but in general we also just don't really prioritize like you like you're saying like damage control mentality like right. really telling somebody it's like this is a do or die job yeah we and that's hard to say when we're already having you know i used to so the mess on my first ship used to call me chicken little uh, that was my nickname in the mess. <laughs> the
0: sky is falling. Um, really, it was,
1: and then like Russia finally invaded, and they're like, okay, we'll give you this <laughs> one. It's like, yes, but because <laughs> um, the pushback they gave me, the mess, and it was right. It's like we don't think you're wrong in how you're framing, like, hey guys, things are going to get bad, um, right? But like sailors are already having mental health. You really want to add to that? And yeah. like we have we have to address these things. Concurrently, and I don't know the answer, but I just know that I. How many sailors are going to walk down the pier if things are about to get very, very real?
0: Because yeah. they're
1: already hating hating to walk down the pier. Right. As it
0: is. Exactly. It's it's the that mental health stuff's not going to go away when things start exploding around us. So it's no. just compounding the casualty. It's like, yeah, no, mental health's really important, but after after the priority of just like caring for our people and make sure making sure they're fully functional like there's always a selfish component process operating in the background of why do i need them fully functional besides that i care about them because i need to go fight a war eventually that's what we're training for then that's like what we do here so like what's interesting to me too is to hear everybody talk about it it's like the one thing we do well one of the things we do very well on We are constantly training for that. Like we will, it'll be just like World War II, man. Like I think the surface Navy will have a lot of issues and the submarine Navy will pick up the slack and it's not a swipe. It's just a culturally, we are programmed in our DNA to train, to do our mission and be very, very good at it. And if something goes horribly wrong, like That's all we think about is backups for backups, redundancies, casualty procedures, operating procedures. What do we do when something goes horribly wrong? Because it's so easy to die on a submarine. So it's like we need to be ready to fight the ship at all times because some some piece of gear bursts into flames. It's a way bigger deal on a submarine. Not that it's not, you know, horrible on a surface ship, but it's like it's like the smoke's got nowhere to go until we surf, like get to the surface, poke a mast out of the water and start running ventilation to get it all out. So it's like, and you can't even do that until we know there's no hot spots and the fire has been overhauled and all this, you know what I mean? So one of the things we do is like every sailor on a submarine is a damage control. Man. Like we are 100%. all, we are all very well trained on how to combat the casualty as part of submarine dolphins. It's like the primary mechanism yeah. of earning and, your enlisted that- submarine dolphins
1: in my first article, I called out the submarine community as like the medical yeah. as the right. standard, hundred percent like surface Navy has gotten better, but there's still, yeah. there's still distance to close.
0: Which, um, Cause why do you the, think the that is? Rough. Because I remember watching the forest stall video in boot camp. Like, so it's not like we don't have like glare and the coal. I mean, I did a podcast with James Parlier, who was the uh, CMC on the coal and to hear him, talk about that experience so it's like it's not like the foresaw was the last time it happened and thank god that team on the coal like responded the way that they did because otherwise that thing would be at the bottom of the ocean so it's like i why do you think that is that the surface navy is kind of like you know like oh yeah we're getting better at it but you know and then mccain and fitzgerald collisions it's like you, there's so many examples of like we need to be real good at this the submarine
1: community, like you said, they have one more skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Something goes wrong in yeah. a submarine is so much quicker That's fair. to take to take everybody. Surface yeah. Navy is still has luxury and privilege of operating environment. Mm-hmm. And without that external pressure, there's less internal pressure and motivation to rise to the occasion of the what if. Your what if on a submarine is, you know, standards deviations less than of how quickly how likely yeah. is something is to happen because you're quite literally under pressure and right. off, obviously how quickly things can just cascade, get worse. Yeah, right. Oh, we're going to have to back out the space. And it's like, no, the, some, <laughs> no, you don't space, yeah, no, so you're going to put down. the fire going out. Down. Like there's um, no,
0: there's no backing out or giving up yeah. or like, no, we're going to uh, die trying.
1: Yeah. And I think a part of it is it's still the Navy, Try to think of how to best frame this. There's a, a line to walk between how much do we talk about, like Fitzgerald, McCain, uh, Cole, Mason, Nitz, like how much do mm-hmm. we talk about the reactions of sailors and their ability to operate under those pressures and the lessons identified of, you know, hey, we're not cognitively ready. And then the mm-hmm. counterbalance of how weak do we look to our adversaries if we how, depending on how much we publicize that, how much, um, how much do we put, like, if we go too into the weeds on identifying sailors, like everyone's going to know who it is. So I don't have the answer. I've just always felt that we've not been as we goes back to transparency, that we've not been as diligent on communicating and conveying data points from these Mm. various happen, uh, tragedies and circumstances into meaningful training. The yeah. um so I don't know if you know this or not. So the uh what's it called? Warrior toughness program, the whole Warrior mm. Toughness thing that started in boot camp was because of Mason. That was how,
0: the catalyst how so? because like,
1: of So the Warrior Toughness program was to my knowledge, this is something I was passed by some force and fleet master chiefs and from other people because of my article on uh damage control culture and all that was that the warrior toughness program was the Navy's remedy to the observations of people's ability to operate uh, based off of what happened on Mason that's that's okay. the rumor that I'd heard uh, okay because if you look at Mason, no one died ships mm. never got hit thank God right but it's different than Cole or Fitzgerald or McCain because right. they were in that combat mentality for two weeks. Yeah. So it. Cole, McCain, Fitzgerald were awful tragedies mm-hmm. where sailors died. People yeah. lost their sons and daughters, but it was one hit. It was a singular incident. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to recover. Security was able to come in. They mm-hmm. were eventually safe. You look at Mason, it's these incidents that happened in 2016 nobody got hit nobody died but they Mm -hmm. were prolonged to that hazardous environment for longer and that has Mm. a different cognitive that's
0: a a great analogy just based on how you frame submarining like we're it there that hazard always exists exactly that's probably why the culture is what it is is like yeah like otherwise you know like it's it's you're going to end up with the loss of life and all the other horrible things, but it's like the, we know it, it, we have that in the back of our minds constantly, the ever present risk that exists. And what do we got to do to mitigate that, get it down to the lowest level possible. And if it still happens, like what do we got to do to respond to make sure that we're good and to fight the ship? And it's like, yeah, that, that hazard's never not there. So have yep, to fight the ship and I, not give up. The yeah. yeah. it. all right. I like what you did there um the I'm curious about like because I like I get what you're saying but I also just like it seems so obvious to me that based on all of those incident incidents um like we have so many data points and I and I say that like 1120s like nuclear trained submarine officers love to say oh, I have multiple data points so we have to we have to do something about this right now oh my god and so it's like, <laughs> You think you'd think, especially with the number of submariners that have been CNO, like you would think that based on all of those data points, at the highest levels they'd be like freaking out about like our level of competency and training and ability to fight the ship. Because I don't think there's, I don't think there's much doubt. I could be wrong, but like I don't think there's much doubt in anyone's mind that in the next decade we're going to be shooting and, at somebody and getting shot at by somebody on the high seas somewhere in the world, right? I don't know where that's going to happen, whether it's going to be an isolated flare-up or a prolonged, like, peer-to-peer war, but it's like, I don't think we're getting out of a, the next 10 years without something like that happening. And so it's like, okay, if we kind of accept that as our, our reality and it's almost like being able to operate successfully in a in a conflict of some kind where we're we're exchange, it's like kinetic on like from like uh, a sea going perspective then like okay well what are we doing to get ready for that and i don't think in serves the answer i don't think like even the <laughs> even some of the like stupid inspections we do on submarines where we do like we they used to be called tactical readiness evaluations but now i think they're called like combat readiness evaluations, even though they're not like again, we do a lot more training and proficiency and evaluation on those types of things. And particularly like ballistic missile submarines, they started incorporating a lot more like um uh like ASW type stuff where we're fighting another submarine. Because like on a ballistic missile submarine, like we're just like a missile platform. Well really like we're not there to attack ships and submarines. But if we're in an area and a conflict flares, cause there's always ballistic missile submarines on station doing, doing deterrence. So it's like, if I'm doing deterrence in this little box of water and oh, Oh, by the way, we're at war with China now and Chinese warships are going by, we might be shooting some, shooting some torpedoes at the, at some things just based on opportunity. Um, or like, maybe we got to go like back somebody up. Like maybe there's a conflict going on and we're the closest asset. And they're like, Hey, go shoot some torpedoes or something. We got to know how to do that. We got to know how to like be good at it and, and then not get sunk with a bunch of nuclear missiles on board. Cause that's a huge loss. So it's like, what I don't understand, I guess is that we don't approach from like the strategic level. We're not orienting our goals towards getting ready for that. At least when it trickles down to a, like a tactical and like a, like a everyday level, I don't see, at least I didn't see, you know, up until I retired in September, us doing the things you think we should be doing in order to prepare for those types of things outside of the submarine force. Like I don't, it didn't feel like, and even in the submarine force to a degree, like I've heard a lot of like, we're just letting submarines go to sea. Like without certifying that they're ready to go do those things in the way that we used to, we used to have a lot more of a, a arduous, robust process for saying, okay, you're ready to go do the damn thing. And if something happens, like you're on deploy, you're forward deployed so that if something happens, I, I have submarine assets to send to go do whatever's necessary. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't see us orienting in a way where, especially like in things like evals or, um, the way in the, which like, and not just the, junior listed, but senior enlisted and officers like being evaluated on their, their tactical and proficiency in war fighting ability.
1: So the sailor that was second place to me, the, uh, my first, uh, essay contest when, which I thought that his article, not only was it like a, a perfect marriage with mine, I, I, mm-hmm. I thought his topic was actually better than mine. Um, talked about kind of like the army having a second fitness assessment and it's all like DC stuff. It's all medical yeah. stuff. Yeah. So stuff like that. Cause you're right. It's yeah. the same principle of you get what you inspect, you reward right. what you incentivize. Um, mm-hmm. a perfect example of this, um, that relates to me is I ended up performing when you look at like metrics and reports, I outperformed mm. a lot of other independent ISs on multiple ships, um,
2: right.
1: just on the amount of like work that I was outputting from my ship. But i would not compared against them. I'm only compared against the chiefs on the ship. Other chiefs on the resu- ship, yeah. What right. that resulted in is it's not. Uh, this is what one of the things my mentor pointed out to me. He's like,
2: mm.
1: I can't re- make those other. Is's want to perform like you when it comes to doing these types of reports and stuff because they're not ranked against you they're ranked against their own messes. the same kind of principle you Mm -hmm. if it's not on the evaluation if it's not incentivized in a way that benefits people why would they perform it so
0: yeah and that i guess that's that's kind of what i'm saying too is like just so jason would push really hard on like um the evaluating somebody as a warfighter like on their warfighting competency what they bring to that how good they are at it and so like i want to reward that and so like he put he was the example he gave was he he routed like a sale of the quarter package i think for like a bm2 and it was it was if we went to like he he might not have all the collateral duties and all the other things but if i went to war tomorrow this is the guy i'd want with me and I was like, "That's a great line." Also, I wish everything was kind of oriented that way, where it's like, "Yeah, like that other stuff is not unimportant, but it's significantly less important than your warfighting competence, right?" And
1: like, so the the surface navy is getting at that in the officer level right now with Have you heard of mm-hmm. the, the uh, Weapons and Tactics Instructor Program? WTI.
0: Yeah, actually. So uh, I the beard dude that I just talked to yesterday, I think. Uh, is oh uh he's a JO that did a bunch of ship tours and then now he's an instructor and he's, I think he's a, a weapons tactic whatever you just said like yeah. or he so he they, referenced it but I think he was one as well.
1: So and for the listeners it's not tracking so like this is this program uh came around like 2016 and the Navy mm. views it as a high return on investment. It's a great program so they allow these yeah. officers to screen for this and they get like a little patch they get to wear on their uniform. Okay. But the curriculum is no damn joke. Yeah. Like it is That's what he was you, saying. He's like these. Yeah, like if you're they a mine mind they're warfare doing. witty, like they're, surface warfare and anti submarine uh, warfare strike war like whatever your warfare area is that you patched uh,
0: in. Anti like, submarine warfare in the service community is cute. Hey now. I just wanna I just on. wanna put that out. <laughs> it's hilarious to me that uh, like so but and what's funny is like anti submarine warfare, if we're talking about uh at our adversaries like oh yeah okay you could probably sink some of them but like it's always cute when we do exercises with our own surface navy it's like do you really think you're gonna like counter detect us and then be able to do anything about it before you're dead because like that's not real <laughs> like it's i'm just putting that out there i think it's hilarious but anyway so i'm done This is,
1: so this is an interesting thing so for <laughs> all this like surface warfare stuff Mm. It's Only for officers. Now, yeah, the imp- it, right. There's a caveat. The okay. information warfare. So, like all your all your wonderful nerd rates, your ITs, yeah. your ISs, cryptologists. We actually have a witty patch, and it's available for the enlisted. Oh, as it as an E7 and above, I can put in for it. Uh, it's yeah. not easy. Most it's right. mostly officers and warrants to get picked up for it, but we right. are actually allowing are enlisted to go to this long school and get this prestigious mm-hmm. patch. And like it, it doesn't obviously put them on a level of officer, but like if a WTI tells you to do something, they're the expert. Like it's a yeah. way of valuing that we're fighting. Action. That's cool. Um, when I was at the surface Navy association, Symposium, another plug for this thing. Cause like I said, it's a great, mm. this organization and other organizations like it are such an underutilized opportunity for sailors. Yeah. They, they, the witty schools had like booths and stuff stood up and I was talking with their officer instructors about, you know, what are you doing for the enlisted side? And I'm not going to talk about the speculation that will share with me, but like they are talking about that. They recognize the next echelon that they focus on is how do we start identifying that person that's sitting in combat that is going to be your, you know, your technical subject matter expert, more than your TAO, more than your decision maker. And then starting to, create curriculum and designation for those people that stand out above the rest. So there mm. is talk in because uh, I think that this is tangentially relevant to what we're talking about that, that we're, how it's not like we have all the eval war fighting readiness, which right after this conversation, I think that'd be a great thing to incorporate, but yeah. like who, who, who on your ship or who in your unit is really thinking to themselves? Because you brought up the next decade, and I'm not going to comment either way because I'm in a kind of a different position. I, I try not to comment on that too much. Yeah. You can read in my articles that I literally say, based off these timelines that other people are saying, World War Three mm-hmm. veterans are in uniform today. They're already yeah. in the already in the service right now
0: i'm terrified do do that? of that dude i'm like are they gonna call me back like i i hope it i'll call you I back hope they, i please don't i hope they, i mean i would come back like if it happened i'm not gonna like run off to canada or so which i mean god that's not the movie
1: anyway. i mean canada's gonna now be involved it is, too it's gonna be
0: yeah you you know what i mean though like if they, well, but at like, least you could at least you could <laughs>
1: smoke weed At but least you could smoke damn. weed up there
0: true that would be. And I got have beards beard. up there. Yeah, I can yeah. have beard. Maybe I'll go join the Canadian Navy if it pops <laughs> off. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I'm open I just to it. see. You, hey, I just <laughs> want to
1: see you make an omelet. That's all I want to see.
0: Ah, uh, I do that we'll all. The put time, you on though. the.
1: We'll put you on the chat line.
0: No, nah, I I wouldn't go back for that. I'd be a cob if I was gonna do it. Like that's where my value would lie to the organization and the submarine force. Anyway, is like I wasn't. I didn't finish my calls, but I was basically done. And I'm a master chief and I have that experience. It's like, that would be where my value would lie is like, if there's a boat that needs a cob, like put me there. Like, I'm not, I have no interest in being a cook chief on a submarine. Um, And it's like, I guess if they needed that, whatever, but like, I'd, I'd much rather go back as a cob and actually do something that I feel like would be more impactful in a kinetic conflict like that, of that scale. Well, I hope I never have to see you with a shave. And me fix too. I don't ever, <laughs> I don't want to be making omelets or being a cop during world war three, if I can avoid it. But uh, yeah,
1: it's the platform that these organizations have given me. I mean, the fact that it's gotten me here to talking with you, like the, the thing I really want to like close out on, because I've talked to a couple sailors that are interested in mm. like writing articles. And I'm like, mm. please, please relieve me.
0: Do it. Um, yeah.
1: Like, there's not enough diversity of perspective of enlisted participation in these organizations, right. in these publications, in these forums that have been mm. historically and traditionally officer-centric. Yeah. And this is where you know we talk about the classism in the Navy and stuff like that. This is where we start to be in the rooms that we've not been. And this is how we start to normalize more and more the fact that our enlisted side may not have degrees, but more and more do, mm. and may not have as much responsibility. We all share the same responsibility to each other, to the ship, to the mission.
2: Doesn't right. matter
1: what our pay grade is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would love to see way more enlisted people. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going to see a lot of my friends in San Diego. I've been mm-hmm. telling them about this conference. They've been talking to their commands, and when their commands find out, like their CMCS don't even know about these things, and they're like, yeah. it's a naval conference. You want to take the duty van? Go!" Like,
0: yeah, go, yeah. They're yeah. yeah. That's cool.
1: So like, there, there's so many opportunities. Um, yeah. I really hope that more and more the enlisted side, those sailors and those future leaders that truly care not about the Navy because I don't think a lot of people actually care about the Navy. We care about the people in the Navy. This is a yeah, yeah. organization. That that is what it's always been about to me is like the opportunity to use a platform as a voice, as a megaphone for others. Yeah. That's what I've done with my articles. That's what I'm trying to do here. It's what I did on Reddit and yeah. struggling with pod and it ended up in that whole yeah.
0: weird situation i hey i'm glad i'm really glad it happened and and your involvement and joanne orlos involvement and whatever like i'm i'm really glad it wasn't just like an interaction you all had and then they dropped it because that could have very easily happened where they were just like yeah well no, we'll totally take a look at it and get back to you and then they just were like we're not going on with it like i feel yeah, like most and- most ponds would have been like risk averse and just been like, nah, I'm good. But so it's, nah, the risk you know. assessment
1: code on that's too hard. We're going back to the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And for any of the sailors that are, you know, looking at this whole pond thing and they didn't even, and they didn't, not that they disregarded your uh spit, uh, spit in the yard, but like
0: he, he, I don't he really follow through.
1: He, he followed through.
0: He, i tagged his instagram and stuff and i was uh untagged in the time period that i was sleeping and i'm not the only one that noticed either i had some listeners comment and be like he untagged Is it-? and i'm like wow all right so like i don't know why like i don't know what like i i don't think i said anything that crazy but like maybe they're not a fan of criticism i don't know like i don't know what happened there but somebody untagged it and then now you can't tag his account like um it's like limited at least on instagram it was like uh he doesn't just like this person doesn't just let anybody tag them you have to and i'm like okay don't want things brought to your attention i like i don't i don't i don't get it because like joanne bass is i'm a big fan of I'm trying to get her on the podcast if I I can't figure out how to contact her. So if anybody out there has a hookup, let me know. But I keep like commenting on her social media stuff just because what she does is amazing. And she like people tag her all the time, her account, and then she acts on it like she does something about it, which I think is really cool. And it's like there's a small history of that Pond PAO account, like acting on Coronado mold and the barracks and stuff via Reddit. So it's like I'm like, well, why do you have a problem with me tagging you? Like maybe it had some valuable information in it. Did you listen to it? Just like feed feedback's good. And it's like, yeah, there's that's... some criticism in there. And, you know, like, I don't apologize. I'm not going to apologize for any of it, but also like, I don't not want to have a dialogue if they're interested. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to get him on it or anything, but if he actually would have this type of a conversation with me, I would do it. Um, I do it offline too. You don't got to publish anything. I won't even tell anybody about it, but like, I don't know that they're even willing to have those conversations. And there's a small cynical part of me that thinks that the Reddit AMA was more about the, the clout that he could get by being the McPon that went on Reddit and less about actually answering questions. I really hope I'm wrong, but there's, you know, I, I, I just, I did it so long and there's enough scar tissue built up that I have that like, cynical voice in the back of my head going like this isn't about what everybody thinks it is it's still a net positive that he did it in my opinion for all the things we already talked about but i don't know it is and
1: so far i'm i like i like what he's doing and i look forward to supporting him i do i've heard a lot of positive things
0: yeah i've heard i've heard a lot of positive things about him generally and about what he's been working on in the short period of time he's been Doing the damn thing, so like I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I said in the, I want I want it all to be true. I want to believe the hype, so bad. Um, but yeah, we shall see, I guess. But hey, man, this was awesome. Thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, looking forward to like digesting the rest of your articles. I know, uh, um, my uh CT counterpart is gonna hunt you down for for the podcast she's spinning up and. Uh, I look forward to seeing what else you, you're you're doing uh, within all these organizations and everything else, man. But I really appreciate you doing this.
1: I appreciate your, your time and interest. It's been a, a rare privilege. I hope that some positive can come away from this for any of your listeners. And I'll see you guys out there still on the oh, yeah. deck plates. I got <laughs> I duty in it. a couple of days.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, duty. I don't miss it. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, good times like that was that was fun and it was interesting and it's it's it made me feel like a bit of a dinosaur (laughs) like to talk to a chief that uh is as young and handsome as him and uh like just to ask him questions like hey what's the what's the what's it kind of what's it like to be chiefing nowadays what's it like for your come up it's like i made chief in 2011 um and you know it doesn't seem that long ago to me when i say it but i mean that was over a decade ago and I've been retired since September. So it's like I'm just getting further and further distanced from what it's like to not only be in a mess, but also the process of coming up and, and has it changed, has it not, what it's like, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was really fun for me, uh, but also made me feel old. <laughs> and then the origin story about the AMA, everything. It was a good time. Uh, and and I had fun talking to him. And I think I think that's somebody you'll see again as well, um, just based on the cool things he's doing. Um, he's very much engaging in in not just navy like proper type organizations but he's going outside of the lifelines to things that are are like associated with but not like run and like owned and operated by dod don u.s navy whatever um like usni uh which is a u.s naval institute not owned by the navy um Surface Navy Association, same thing. Like very closely associated with, and a lot of pipehead, like high level people engage with it, but it's not a, a navy organization. Like, like it's controlled by it. It's it's um, like run by a bunch of like veterans and and other people that just voluntarily like active duty too, but people that voluntarily engage with and join and whatever on both like USNI and SNA and everything else. So uh, very cool. Very interesting. Um, I don't know much about the Service Navy Association, but it keeps coming up. So uh, I'm interested to learn more as I as I go. And uh, yeah, just fun. Just good times. Uh, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast on Facebook, or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at DGuts Podcast. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to dgutspodcast.com. There's a donate button on the upper right-hand corner of the website. You can go to don't give up the ship apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. And the big one, if you can if you can support us financially and you want to, and you want a bunch of cool benefits as a result, uh, we've got five different tiers on patreon.com slash Um Go check that out. If it's something you can do and you're interested in, in the the, uh, benefits of, of a particular tier, please do so become a patron. It helps so much in the expansion and support of the platform. Uh, I do not profit personally. It all goes back into expanding the platform and paying the bills and everything else. So would really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash D guts podcast. Uh, And if you can't do it with money, which is totally fine and understandable, especially in the weird time we're in right now with all the weirdness financially in the world and the economy, um, just like, share, subscribe on podcast platforms, share, share our content on social media, Uh, tag your friends in it. Um, You can go to uh, YouTube and subscribe. You can there's all kinds of mechanisms. Um, for you to engage in ways that don't cost you a dime, but really help us out. Get the word out, leverage those algorithms, all those things. Um, so if you can do any of those things, including just lurking in the background listening, we really appreciate it. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. Hey, shout out to our level five patrons, Victoria Good and William McIver. We really appreciate you. All our other patrons, you're enabling us to do this thing. And your support means everything. Thank you so much.